0: Hello, everyone. How do you do? That is my question to you. And of course, I am a ghost. Oh, oh. Hmm. Who would have seen this coming? Well, only anyone who knows the channel sort of reasonably well at this point. I have been—I've uh, been switching some stuff over, and I was doing some experiments. I really was hoping to uh, switch over from uh, from OBS. I'm currently on Streamlabs OBS and I want to switch over to OBS. Uh now OBS stands for Open Broadcast Software um and uh yeah the um the <laughs> the Streamlabs has look I've had some issues with it and uh I am not the only one it would seem. Uh there are some folks having some some troubles with them just sort of like as a company which <sighs> I mean That's, that's one thing. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm realizing I'm in a position where I cannot make the switch. Uh, I know stationary fork had made the switch a little while ago, anybody who streams stuff, anybody who I should say, anyone who doesn't stream, this isn't gonna matter to you one bit, but essentially, I can't do my hotkey stuff. Um, There, there are, there are push, uh, there, there are like show and hide, but there's no push to show. Or push to hide for most things uh, except for audio over there uh, and so i cannot make the transition as much as i'd like to because i have to be able to do things like this beep see down the corner down there is that little red flag these are really important for my editing process and uh i've actually got a new layer on top of it to the point where i think uh you know i've, I've, I've kept the little colored flags in here just as like a uh, a failsafe, just in case my new system doesn't work, but my new system is totally invisible, it's audio-based, so I can just watch the waveform and see my little pings there, and it's totally invisible, totally silent to all viewers, Uh, it only pops up in the edit, and uh, boy, it it has made my process much faster, but that's only true as of like the end of the last book, which I will say, oh man. I am through editing every book except for this one. Now I'm gonna take another pass at basically all of them. Um, during my early edit process, I was like, you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a decent bit of polish on this. Let me go through, cut out all my little little pops. Um, back, especially in the early days when I would I have to listen to the entire thing in sequence, and you know, y'all know me. I stream for like three hours at a time, so. Um, just to listen to it without stopping it is three hours. So if I've got like, even if I had nine hours to edit, we're talking like full-time job hours, uh, in a day, I'm only getting through three streams. And that's if I don't do anything else because I can't export and edit at the same time, for instance. So those exports, they take a while and you know, I don't have to do anything. It's very easy, but it means my computer's totally like totally locked up. Um, so I am totally caught up on flying sidecar except for this most recent book. Um, And so now I'm going to be launching this one very soon, and then I can get into the vintage sidecar, which is going to be a slow process, but also I don't feel like there's quite as much a demand for that one. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to getting it put together, but um, no, I think this book is going to be a lot easier to edit. I'm going to jump back and do the, uh, the vintage stuff. And then I frankly, I don't know that I'm going to do a ton of editing for um, for the for the old side cannons business um, uh, our, our arena campaign I think while it could do with some editing I don't think I'm going to do it I just don't think I'm gonna prior- prioritize that right now um, I am certainly planning to now that I've got my new editing tools I am absolutely going to for our next uh, campaign over there but for for the last one I think I'm just going to get those uploaded um, now I wish I could be doing that while, while I was also doing other things but That's another thing that just enormously ties up my computer, and so I can't be using it to edit during that time. It would just be an upload machine, and I feel like that's another thing where there's just not a lot of demand for it right now. That's okay. So, everybody, um, I hope you're doing well, Orly Rose, I hope things turn around for you. Uh, Do indeed keep your head up, and I hope that tonight can be, uh, maybe if not relaxing, because I think I've gotten worse and worse at that over time. Uh, If not relaxing, then at the very least entertaining. Uh, A a good diversion. Um, But yeah, folks, um, if you head over right now to the Flying Sidecar, uh, whether it's on Spotify or wherever else you find podcasts, uh, you can go ahead and find up through book four of Percy Jackson and the Olympians... uh, all of Harry Potter, all of um, uh, all of Percy Jackson and the Olympians up to the start of this current book, uh, which means that by next week I should be caught up and then I can start to do these things in real time alongside the other editing that I have to do. Um, I'm super excited about that because it's just in time. Well, what's uh, just in time for what, you may ask? Well, here it is, folks, the big announcement. I'm sure I will have to mention this once more later on, but everyone, the big announcement coming very soon. After this book is over, after uh, we're done with Percy Jackson and the Olympians here, um, we had a lot of options for what series we were gonna hit up next. And I know this may be old news for some of you, but for others of you, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be your first time hearing what our next series is going to be. And the answer to that question is, a little bit of a drum roll here, let's hear. A little bit of a drum roll, just a little drum roll. The hunger games that's right folks we are going to jump in and we're going to read the hunger games i am pretty excited i read the hunger games um i would say uh frankly between percy jackson and uh harry potter and the hunger games i actually read the hunger games first out of those three um i read hunger games uh i want to say late high school uh no it would have been early high school i suppose um and then uh, I did not read uh, Percy Jackson until I was about 20. Or, excuse me, I didn't read uh, Harry Potter until I was about 20. And then uh, Percy Jackson, I actually read sort of in the lead up. I, I, had, I had sort of skimmed it before, and I actually may have read the first two books, but it was a long, long, long time ago. Uh, and so I guess technically I did read Percy Jackson first. I don't know. It's a little convoluted. But um, y'all, Hunger Games. Big Mama says, I love the intensity of The Hunger Games. Uh, Missy says, I've never read Hunger Games. I'm looking forward to it. I am as well. Uh, Hunger Games is uh, not as shy as some of the other books that we have read in this genre um, to address some pretty serious uh, kind of macro-societal issues, uh, which is my big, like... <laughs> uh, that's, that's uh, you know, my my big... Goofy way of saying it, and that's that's the sort of stuff that I like to focus on. But uh, in addition, I think it's got some really uh, some some more developed characters, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I don't know how it'll compare to um, I don't know how it'll, how it'll compare to uh, Harry Potter um, because it has been a while since I read it myself. I'm I'm gonna go over it again now that I know that it's our next series. But um, I do know that uh, for anyone who has been you know running with us through Percy Jackson here. I think Percy Jackson stays kind of young. Um it sh- it sort of sh- it is um uh I want to say it it, uh, it was um uh half bit actually who mentioned this. Um I want to say he 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 put it really really well and I think he said it, they were shy that the Percy Jackson series is a little shy to address um uh, things beyond just the surface level, so I am looking forward to getting into something uh, a little bit more serious, just a little more serious, not a lot more serious. Tenacious says, I'm a bit scared for this one, it's slightly more dark. Um, yeah, I think there's there, it's a little more dark, and y'all know I like my sort of uh, my gritty stories. I think uh, a little bit of grit is important, and by grit, I guess I mean. Uh, really grounded in reality. I, I like stories that address serious topics, even if they do uh, come from a place or start from a place that is silly or whimsical. Um, and I think, you know, that's part of the reason why Harry Potter has made an impact um, in, in ways that other series may not have. It's not just because they're fun, it's because you feel something differently when you came out of it or you feel like you understand something differently. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting into that again. Uh, Now, of course, if you are looking for more of that sort of thing uh, and you don't know what this is all about, well, my name is Sam, this is Sidecar Stories, and you can find those deeper dives over on Tuesdays because we read Vintage Sidecar. That is our uh, classic lit show where we shed some light and uh, we fairly recently finished up uh, Murder on the Orient Express and we have just this week had our very first episode of Alice in Wonderland. So, that is still up on Twitch if you want to hear that right now. But, uh, of course, after that, um, once I make my way through the editing process, hopefully by the time you are listening to this, you can find that um, instead of flying sidecar, which you are currently listening to, go ahead and search for vintage sidecar. Uh, and you should be able to find the Great Gatsby Frankenstein, and all the other classic works we read over there. Uh, and then of course on Wednesdays we are continuing to plug along through our world building stuff It has been a ton of fun and if you want to know more about that uh, it's still sort of under construction but you can use the recedus command to check out the uh, the wiki I think I think wiki is like the best way to <laughs> to explore um, the to explore like source material so if you're wondering about the world that we're building over there um, that we are eventually going to explore much more deeply as um, uh, as, as we jump into another campaign um, that is the hope so everyone. I love y'all. Thank you for being here. And uh, Sander, thank you very much for the reminder because everyone, it is now December 2nd, which means uh, patrons, I would like you to please let me know uh, sort of what your experience is like, most especially uh, if and when you get any communication about merch. Okay? I have, uh, I'm very anxious about how merch is going to work out with Patreon. Um, I am. I am glad that they offer it, but um, on on my end, I just, uh, I tried something a little strange. You know, I tried to make that sort of like limited time thing. And then I realized after that, that, oh, I packed so much in for that limited time thing. It's going to be three months before I can sort of set up a new one. So I I tried something a little odd I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it all works out fine uh, and that we can continue to be very happy with Patreon. Um, I have been so far, certainly, and uh, yeah, I, I'm really hoping that this merch thing goes off without a hitch. Uh, that would be fantastic. And so, uh, if you have gotten communication from uh, from Patreon about merch, uh, go ahead and uh, just let me know. I've got a post up over on Patreon where you can sort of let me know about that. I know some of you have already done so, and I really do appreciate it. Um, I'm reviewing that stuff to kind of see what's all working, what might not be working, and um, I have got a little saved up. Uh, I, I saved up the some of that Patreon money um, just in case there is a big issue. Because that way it's going to help me to rectify that. Uh, hopefully, I should be able to do that very quickly. But I have been I've been preparing for the possibility that uh, you know it's it's not um, uh, it's not entirely smooth. I'm prepared for it. I'm ready for it. I've been getting ready for it. So. Um, that is good. And uh, finally, if you are a patron, make sure that if you want merch coming your way, you must make sure to update your address on Patreon. Uh, otherwise, they won't know where to send it. But on my end, I did just get an email this afternoon about, um, uh, it said that they are currently um, about two weeks out from sending that stuff. They said, well, they said they'll be sending it over the next week or two. So. There's all that. Uh, I think that's most of the that's most of the business we got to get through. That's most of the business. Hey, I got a question for y'all. How have you been? How has your two weeks been? Because some of y'all, this is the first time seeing uh, each other over the past two weeks. Uh, of course, last week I did take off um, because we were going to be traveling on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. We did so. We went to uh, Yosemite. We spent a little time at a cabin there. It was very nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, once we got back, uh, we had Thanksgiving, we had the, uh, the, the we had food Thanksgiving, um, on uh, Friday. And so I made, uh, I made turkey meatballs, which I have never made before. I think they turned out pretty good. Um, they were one of those things where it's like, it's a little bit decadent part of the reason why you like, um, uh, like certain things, you know, like, uh, roasted potatoes or, uh, you know, turkey, frankly, um is because there's sort of a, it's not because they're complex, it's because they're, there's just a simple, very good flavor to them. Um, these were much more complex, and I think I would need to rebalance them a little bit, but they were pretty good. Um, and they went really, really well with a little bit of cranberry sauce, which I've never really loved before. Um, that never really been my thing. This year with the meatballs, they were great. Um, and uh, yeah, that was most, uh, last year I did make a turkey, or was it last year, year before? I, know, I don't know what year it is anymore. Um, I did make a full turkey, and it was, you know, it was pretty good. Turkeys are fine. I've only had, like, I mean, I I, I grew up in the Midwest. We've, we've been, we've had the turkey thing going on for years and years. Um, I think I've only had probably, like, two or three turkeys that I can remember where I was like, this is great. All the rest of the time, it's like, yeah, okay. You know, frankly, I could have. Like a, a chicken would have been totally fine here. I've I've I wouldn't have been mad about that. I've only had like I said, yeah, two or three turkeys that I was like, this is mm, this is the best. So I don't know. So that is where I'm at right now. Um and I think uh I think you know the rest of it was not terribly innovative on my part. We did some classics, we did stuffing, uh you know, um, green bean casserole, all that kind of stuff. But, everybody, uh, I hope you are having a fantastic evening, um, whatever time it may be for you. And now I would encourage you all to settle in. Settle in, take a deep breath. I hope that uh, you all have your, uh, I don't know, your your hot chocolate in hand, maybe some nice honeybush tea. Uh, I hope nobody's throwing down with much caffeine right now. But if you are, I wish you uh, luck, I guess I would say. Let's talk about some reading, shall we? And for that, of course, we're going to have to uh, take a moment. We're going to talk about some review um, last week on Flying Sidecar. I just I just realized I I, I really went from like uh you know afternoon shock jock to some real NPR stuff. So um, everyone, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a, a gross head noise as I often do. It is, uh, after all, one of my two allergy seasons. It should be right near the end of it, but it is one nonetheless. Uh, Okay, we've got voice mod. I just want to make sure everything's going to mute fine. Otherwise, I'm going to be so embarrassed. Okay, big sniffs. There we go. Now, chapters. Uh, I believe it was, what, six and seven? Was it five, six, and seven? Nope, just six and seven. Uh, Chapters six and seven. My cookies get scorched and my math teacher gives me a lift. So last time, we we caught up with Percy as he is on his way um, to accompany Nico. They have decided that they are indeed going to, uh, they're gonna learn some things. And they are going to pursue this plan that Nico has had for a while. But we, as the audience, we don't know what the plan is yet. Um, Nico, it, it starts with visiting the childhood home of Luke. We meet his mother, May Castellan. And May, uh, she is having a hard time keeping up with reality. Um, she appears to have some sort of, um, uh, some sort of, um, <sighs> I don't know. It, it's, it is certainly presenting like a mental illness, but, uh, we get the sense that it's, it might not be totally mundane. Um, it is something that seems to be stemming from her ability to see through the mist or around the mist or even see, uh, sort of, you know, catch visions of the future potentially. And, um... Throughout this conversation, uh, Percy gets two big things. First of all, uh, realizes that uh, it would have been really very hard for um, uh, f- for Luke as a son of uh, Hermes, who, you know, it seems pretty clear that Hermes did not stick around for very long here, and that, I mean, Luke probably needed help, much less May. Um, uh, and also that, you know, May... It wasn't just having Hermes gone, but also May would have been very, very challenging to try and live with and to try and, you know, support. Because I can't imagine in her current state that May was doing much as a sort of parent in this family, a very, very hard situation. Um, and Percy starts to feel some some sympathy for Luke, um, maybe not for what he's doing, but certainly for where he comes from. Uh, the second big thing that we learn is that this is potentially the result of something involving the gods, a specific event. It seems that she, May, was not just able to see through the mist, but had some, quote, talent um, and, uh, I don't know what precisely it means to be talented in the context of seeing through the mist, but it seems that she was so, and she had a job. There was some sort of audition or tryout, and it seems that she wasn't a good fit, but whatever it was, it kind of did this to her. They leave with this new information, um, and especially the new piece of information that when... Luke did come to visit, because he did come to visit once, he wanted May's blessing. May's blessing. Now, we as the audience don't know what that could be for, but Nico seems to think that this is a confirmation that Luke is also seeking. Uh, Luke slash Kronos now, as we are aware, um, is also seeking the same sort of, of power. Whatever this plan is of Nico's, he intends, uh, L- Luke intends to try and get the same thing. Now, as they leave May Castellan's house, uh, they encounter Hestia, uh, and this is the goddess of the hearth. And we find the title of uh, the title of this book right here. This is the last Olympian. Hestia is the last Olympian. Uh, this is the Olympian that remains when all the other gods have gone off to war. Um, when when the world is ending, as it seems like it is now, uh, all there is left is home, and that is the part that she plays. Big Mama says Luke is an incredibly sympathetic antagonist. Um, uh, sometimes, yes, and certainly right now. Certainly right now, Big Mama. Um, hard not to sympathize with the situation that he was put in. Um, uh, I guess, you know what? I can't say that. Uh, I will say that I I didn't have trouble sympathizing with it. It, it made sense to me, um, but uh, certainly that, that might not be true of everyone. Um, but uh, I... I think as we head into our next chapter, sort of with this in, with this information, we know that uh, Luke is seeking the same thing, and so Percy goes and asks for his mom's blessing, and she grants it. Chapter seven: My math teacher gives me a lift. Um, at this point, Nico is confident that this plan is, if not going to work, at the very least, it is their only chance of something for working. What? That was barely English. Um, there is a, uh, there's an entrance to the Underworld here in New York City. It's the entrance that was taken by, um, uh, by Orpheus. And uh, they head down into the realm of Hades, into the Underworld. Um, now, Percy had one idea of how this was going to go, and it seems that Nico perhaps had a different one. Um, he, in fact, uh, he goes ahead and turns Percy over to his father, uh, his father, of course, being Hades. Um, Nico turns Percy over to Hades, and uh, throughout this chapter, the, the, uh, the plan still is not clear, but uh, Nico brings, uh, brings Percy to Hades for what Nico says he believes is just a discussion. Uh, and then, of course, Hades claims, uh, hey, next time, if you want me to really sort of stick to my word here, you should have had me swear by the river Styx. Oh yeah. Also, we get like a we get a tiny little mention of that Sander. You're right. Uh, Grover is indeed alive and getting an army. Maybe. What's up with that? What is what is Grover up to there? We don't get a super strong picture. Uh, and then we meet um, uh, Morpheus, who's different from Orpheus. Morpheus and Orpheus, two totally different people. Um, this is a uh, just a, a strange person walking through and uh, making people pass out. Uh, we are now down in down in the underworld and it seems that in exchange for some information about his family Nico wanted uh, Hades uh, or excuse me in exchange for information about his family Hades wanted Nico to bring Percy Jackson in for a discussion and now Hades has got him captured There we go folks. That is the situation for today. That is where we lead in, and I think without further ado, I can't think of anything else that needs to happen. So, um, Sander, thank you very much for pinging over on Patreon or p- pinging over on Discord about the patron stuff. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, Tanisha says I admire Sam's fortitude during these sirens. Uh, I do try. I try. <laughs> um, and I've just realized that my water is down to like bare bones, so I'm gonna go grab more so that my voice doesn't end up down at bare bones. I shall be right back. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of um, it's kind of a bleary day here um, in Southern California. Uh, the weather's not bad, it's just uh, things are a little bit like, it's kind of dim, uh, not like a, not a, I don't know, not a cheery day. As much as I would love for there to be rain, there isn't, but it seems like that rainy sort of day and the cats are currently on the bed in sort of the, the, the dull bluish sunshine from outside. Uh, Just that that sort of bluish that you get in the evening when there's uh, maybe a storm nearby. And the two cats are just laying in that light on the bed, just snuggling up. So, everyone, please get as comfortable as our cats. Let's talk about this book. Chapter 8, I Take the Worst Bath Ever. My sword reappeared in my pocket. Yeah, great timing. Now I could attack these walls all I wanted. My cell had no bars, no windows, not even a door. The skeletal guards shoved me straight through a wall and it became solid behind me. I wasn't sure if the room was airtight. Probably. Hades' dungeon was meant for dead people and they don't breathe. So forget 50 or 60 years, I'd be dead in 50 or 60 minutes. Meanwhile, if Hades wasn't lying, some big trap was going to be sprung in New York City by the end of the day, and there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. I sat on the cold stone floor, feeling miserable. I don't remember dozing off. Then again, it must have been about 7 in the morning, mortal time, and I'd been through a lot. I dreamed I was on the porch of Rachel's beach house in St. Thomas. The sun was rising over the Caribbean. Dozens of wooded islands dotted the sea and white sails cut across the water. The smell of salt air made me wonder if I would ever see the ocean again. Rachel's parents sat on the patio table while a personal chef fixed them omelets. Mr. Dare was dressed in a white linen suit. He was reading the Wall Street Journal. The lady across the table was probably Mrs. Dare, though all I could see of her were hot pink fingernails and the cover of Condé Nast Traveler. Why she'd be reading about vacations while she was on vacation, I wasn't sure. Rachel stood at the porch railing inside. She wore Bermuda shorts and her Van Gogh t-shirt. Yep, yeah, Rachel had been trying to teach me about art, but don't get too impressed. I only remember the dude's name because he cut his ear off. I wondered if she was thinking about me how much it sucked that I wasn't with them on vacation. I know that's what I was thinking. Then the scene changed. It was St. Louis, standing... Oh, I was in St. Louis, standing downtown under the arch. I'd been there before. In fact, I'd almost fallen to my death there before. Over the city, a thunderstorm boiled. A wall of absolute black with lightning streaking across the sky. A few blocks away, swarms of emergency vehicles gathered with their lights flashing. A column of dust rose from a mound of rubble, which I realized was a collapsed skyscraper. A nearby reporter was yelling into her microphone, Officials aren't describing this as a structural failure, Dan, though no one seems sure if it's related to the storm conditions. Wind whipped her hair. The temperature was dropping rapidly, like ten degrees just since I'd been standing there. "'Thankfully, the building has been abandoned for demolition,' she said. "'But police have evacuated all nearby buildings for fear the collapse might trigger—' She faltered as a mighty groan cut through the sky. A blast of lightning hit the center of the darkness. The entire city shook. The air glowed, and every hair on my body stood up. The blast was so powerful I only— The blast was so powerful I knew it could only be one thing. Zeus's master bolt— It should have vaporized its target, but the black cloud only staggered backward. A smoky fist appeared out of the clouds. It smashed another tower, and the whole thing collapsed like children's blocks. The reporter screamed. People ran through the streets. Emergency lights flashed. I saw a streak of silver in the sky. A chariot pulled by reindeer, but I knew it wasn't Santa Claus driving. It was Artemis, riding the storm, shooting shafts of moonlight into the darkness. A fiery golden comet crossed her path. Maybe her brother Apollo. One thing was clear Typhon had made it to the Mississippi River. He was halfway across the U.S., leaving destruction in his wake, and the gods were barely slowing him down. The mountain of darkness loomed above me. A foot the size of Yankee Stadium was about to smash into me when a voice hissed Percy! I lunged out blindly. Before I was fully awake, I had Nico pinned to the floor of the cell with the edge of my sword at his throat. Want to rescue, he choked. Anger woke me up fast. Oh, yeah? And why should I trust you? No choice, he gagged. I wish he hadn't said something logical like that. I let him go. Nico curled into a ball and made retching sounds while his throat recovered. Finally, he got to his feet, eyeing my sword warily. His own blade was sheathed. I suppose if he'd wanted to kill me, he would have done it while I slept. Still, I didn't trust him. "'We have to get out of here,' <clears throat> he said. "'Why?' I said. "'Did your dad want to talk to me again?' He winced. "'Percy, I swear on the River Styx, I didn't know what he was planning.' You know what your dad is like. He tricked me. He promised... Nico held up his hands. Look, right now, we need to leave. I put the guards to sleep, but it won't last. I wanted to strangle him again. Unfortunately, he was right. We didn't have time to argue. You know what? No. I know that that alarm goes off like every five minutes at this point, but I don't want it to be the whole recording. That would be nice. Come on. There we go. All right, now i just got to read it so quick before it comes on again. I wanted to strangle him again. Unfortunately, he was right. We didn't have time to argue, and I couldn't escape on my own. He pointed at the wall. A whole section vanished, revealing a corridor. (laughs) I wanted to strangle him again. Unfortunately, he was right. We didn't have time to argue, and I couldn't escape on my own. He pointed at the wall. A whole section vanished, revealing a corridor. Come on. Niko led the way. I wished I had Annabeth's Invisibility hat, but as it turned out, I didn't need it. Every time we came to a skeletal guard, Nico just pointed at it, and its glowing eyes dimmed. Unfortunately, the more Nico did it, the more tired he seemed. We walked through a maze of corridors filled with guards. By the time we reached a kitchen staffed by skeletal cooks and servants, I was practically carrying Nico. He managed to put all the dead to sleep, but nearly passed out himself. I dragged him out of the servant's entrance and into the fields of Asphodel. I almost felt relieved, until I heard the sound of bronze gongs high in the castle. Uh, uh, Alarms, Nico murmured sleepily. What do we do? He yawned and then frowned like he was trying to remember. How about... run? Running with a drowsy child of Hades was more like doing a three-legged race with a life-size rag doll. I lugged him along, holding my sword in front of me. The spirits of the dead made way like the celestial bronze was a blazing fire. The sound of gongs rolled across the fields. Ahead loomed the walls of Erebos, but the longer we walked, the further away they seemed. I was about to collapse from exhaustion when I heard a familiar. <laughs> Mrs. O'Leary bounded out of nowhere and ran circles around us, ready to play. Good girl, I said. Hey, can you give us a ride to the sticks? The word sticks got her excited. She probably thought I meant sticks. She jumped a few times, chased her tail just to teach it who was boss, and then calmed down enough for me to push Nico onto her back. I climbed aboard, and she raced toward the gates. She leapt over the easy death line, sending guards sprawling and causing more alarms to Blair. Cerberus barked, but he sounded more excited than angry, like, can I play too? Fortunately, he didn't follow us, and Mrs. O'Leary kept running. She didn't stop until we were far upriver, and the fires of Erebos had disappeared in the murk. Nico slid off of Mrs. O'Leary's back and crumpled into a heap on the black sand. I took out a square of ambrosia, part of the emergency god food I always kept with me. It was a little bashed up, but Nico chewed on it he mumbled better your powers drain you too much i noted he nodded sleepily with great power comes a great need to take a nap wake me up later whoa 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 zombie dude i caught him before he could pass out again we're at the river you gotta tell me what to do I fed in the last of my ambrosia, which was a little dangerous. The stuff can heal demigods, but it can also burn us to ashes if we eat too much. Fortunately, it seemed to do the trick. Nico shook his head a few times and struggled to his feet. My father will be coming soon, he said. We should hurry. The river Styx's current swirled... Oh, that was right. The river Styx's current swirled with strange objects. Broken toys, ripped up college diplomas, wilted homecoming corsages, all the dreams people had thrown away as they'd passed from life into death. Looking at the Black River, I could think of about three million places I'd rather swim. So I just. I just jump in? You have to prepare yourself first, Nico said, or the river will destroy you. It'll burn away your body and soul. That sounds fun. I muttered. This is no joke, Nico warned. There's only one way to stay anchored to your mortal life. You have to— He glanced behind me, and his eyes widened. I turned and found myself face to face with a Greek warrior. For a second, I thought he was Ares, because this guy looked exactly like the god of war, tall and buff with a cruel, scarred face and closely shaved black hair. He wore a white tunic and bronze armor. He had a plumed war helm under his arm but his eyes were human, pale green like a shallow sea, and a bloody arrow stuck out of his left calf just above the ankle. I was terrible with Greek names, but even I knew the greatest warrior of all time who had died from a wounded heel. Achilles, I said. The ghost nodded. I warned the other one not to follow my path. Now, I will warn you. Luke, you spoke with Luke. Do not do this, he said. It will make you powerful, but it will also make you weak. It will make you powerful, but it will also make you weak. Your prowess in combat may be beyond any mortal's, but your weaknesses, your failings will increase as well. Do you mean I have a bad heel? I said, couldn't I just like wear something besides sandals? No offense. He stared down at his bloody foot. The heels my only physical weakness, demigod. My mother Thetis held me here. she dipped me in the sticks what really killed me was my own arrogance beware and turn back he meant it I could hear the regret and bitterness in his voice he was honestly trying to save me from a terrible fate then again Luke had been here and he hadn't turned back That's why Luke had been able to host the spirit of Kronos without his body disintegrating. This was how he had prepared himself, and why he seemed impossible to kill. He had bathed in the river Styx and taken the powers of the greatest mortal hero, Achilles. He was invincible. I have to, I said. Otherwise I don't stand a chance. Achilles lowered his head. Let the gods witness I tried. Hero, if you must do this, concentrate on your mortal point. Imagine one spot of your body that will remain vulnerable. That is the point where your soul will anchor your body to the world. It will be your greatest weakness, but also your only hope. No man may be completely invulnerable. Lose sight of what keeps you mortal, and the river Styx will burn you to ashes. You will cease to exist. I suppose you couldn't tell me Luke's mortal point? He scowled. Prepare yourself, foolish boy. Whether you survive this or not, you have sealed your doom. With that happy thought, he vanished. Percy, Nico said, maybe he's right. This was your idea. I know, but now that we're here, just wait on the shore. If anything happens to me, well, maybe Hades will get his wish, and you'll be the child of the prophecy after all. He didn't look too pleased about that, but I didn't care. Before I could change my mind, I concentrated on the small of my back, a tiny point just opposite my navel. It was well defended when I wore my armor. It would be hard to hit by accident, and few enemies would aim for it on purpose. No place was perfect, but it seemed to me just right, and a lot more dignified than like my armpit or something. I pictured a string, a bungee cord connecting me to the world from the small of my back. And I stepped into the river. Imagine jumping into a pit of boiling acid. Now multiply that pain times fifty. You still won't be close to understanding what it felt like to swim in the sticks. I planned to walk in slow and courageous like a real hero. As soon as the water touched my legs, my muscles turned to jelly and I fell face first into the current. I submerged completely. For the first time in my life, I couldn't breathe underwater. I finally understood the panic of drowning. Every nerve in my body burned. I was dissolving in the water. I saw faces. Rachel, Grover, Tyson, my mother. But they faded as soon as they appeared. Percy, my mom said. I gave you my blessing. Mm, Be safe, Mm, brother, Tyson pleaded. Enchiladas, Grover said. I wasn't sure where that came from, but it didn't seem to help much. I was losing the fight. The pain was too much. My hands and my feet were melting into the water. My soul was being ripped from my body. I couldn't remember who I was. The pain of Cronus's scythe had been nothing compared to this. The cord, a familiar voice said. Remember your lifeline, dummy. Suddenly there was a tug on my lower back. The current pulled at me, but it wasn't carrying me away anymore. I imagine the string in my backpack keeping me tied there. What? I imagine the string in my back keeping me tied to the shore. Hold on, seaweed brain. It was Annabeth's voice, much clearer now. You're not getting away from me that easily. The cord tightened. I could see Annabeth now, standing barefoot above me on the Canoe Lake pier. I'd fallen out of my canoe. That was it. She was reaching her hand to haul me up, and she was trying not to laugh. She wore her orange Camp Half-Blood t-shirt and jeans. Her hair was tucked up into her Yankees cap, which was strange because that should have made her invisible. You're such an idiot sometimes. She smiled. Come on, take my hand. Memories came flooding back to me, sharper and more colorful. I stopped dissolving. My name was Percy Jackson. I reached up and took Annabeth's hand. Suddenly, I burst out of the river. I collapsed on the sand, and Nico scrambled back in surprise. "'Are you okay?' he stammered. "'Your, your skin! Oh, gods, you're hurt!' His arms. My arms were bright red. I felt like every inch of my body had been broiled over a slow flame, I looked around for Elizabeth, though I knew she wasn't there. It had seemed so real. I'm fine, I think. The color of my skin turned back to normal. The pain subsided. Mrs. O'Leary came up and sniffed me with concern. Apparently, I smelled really interesting. Do you feel stronger? Nico asked. before i could decide what i felt a voice boomed there an army of the dead marched toward us a hundred skeletal roman legionnaires led the way with shields and spears behind came an equal number of british redcoats with bayonets fixed in the middle of the host hades himself rode a black and gold chariot pulled by nightmare horses their eyes and manes smoldering with fire You will not escape me this time, Percy Jackson, Hades bellowed. Destroy him. Father, no, Nico shouted, but it was too late. The front line of Roman zombies lowered their spears and advanced. Mrs. O'Leary growled and got ready to pounce. Maybe that's what set me off. I didn't want them hurting my dog. Plus, I was tired of Hades being a big bully. If I was going to die, I might as well go down fighting. I yelled and the river sticks. Exploded. A black tidal wave smashed into the Legionnaires. Spears and shields flew everywhere. Roman zombies began to dissolve, smoke coming off their bronze helmets. The red coats lowered their bayonets, but I didn't wait for them. I charged. It was the stupidest thing I'd ever done. A hundred muskets fired at me, point blank. All of them missed. I crashed into their line and started hacking with Riptide. Bayonets jabbed, swords slashed, guns reloaded and fired. Nothing touched me. I whirled through the ranks, slashing redcoats to dust one after the other. My mind went on autopilot. Stab, dodge, cut, deflect, roll. Riptide was no longer a sword. It was an arc of pure destruction. I broke through the enemy line and leapt onto the black chariot. Hades raised his staff. A a bolt of dark energy shot toward me. Just a second. Mm. There it is. I broke through the enemy line and leapt into the black chariot. Hades raised his staff. A bulk of dart. A bolt? Good lord. What's my deal here? Also, roll it. Yeah, if I said Elizabeth, it was an accident. I definitely meant Annabeth. I'll have to go back and read that again. Um, I'll do it at the next uh, chapter break I broke through the enemy line and leapt into the black chariot Hades raised his staff a bolt of dark energy shot toward me but it deflected off my blade and slammed into him the god and I both tumbled out of the chariot the next thing I knew my knee was planted on Hades' chest I was holding the collar of his royalty robes in one fist and the tip of my sword was poised right over his face Silence. The army did nothing to defend their master. I glanced back and realized why. There was nothing left of them but weapons in the sand and piles of smoking, empty uniforms. I had destroyed them all. Hades swallowed. Now, Jackson, listen here. He was immortal. There's no way I could kill him, but gods can be wounded. I knew that firsthand, and I figured a sword in the face wouldn't feel too good. Just because I'm a nice person, I snarled, I'll let you go. But first, tell me about that trap. Hades melted into nothing, leaving me holding empty black robes. I cursed and got to my feet, breathing heavily. Now that the danger was over, I realized how tired I was. Every muscle in my body ached. I looked down at my clothes. They were slashed to pieces and full of bullet holes, but I was fine. Not a mark on me. Nico's mouth hung open. You just... with a sword? You just... I think the rivet thing worked, I said. Ah, gee. You think? he said sarcastically. Mrs. O'Leary barked happily and wagged her tail. She bounded around, sniffing empty uniforms and hunting for bones. I lifted Hades' robes. I could still see the tormented faces shimmering in the fabric. I walked to the edge of the river. Be free. I dropped the robe in the water and watched as it swirled away, dissolving in the current. Go back to your father, I told Nico. Tell him he owes me for letting him go. Find out what's going to happen to Mount Olympus and convince him to help. Nico stared at me. I... I can't. He'll hate me now. I mean, even more. You have to, I said. You owe me, too. His ears turned red. Percy, I told you I was sorry. Please, let me come with you. I want to fight. You're going to be more help down here. You mean you don't trust me anymore, he said miserably. I didn't answer. I didn't know what I meant. I was too stunned by what I'd just done in battle to think clearly. Just go back to your father, I said, trying not to sound too harsh. Work with him. You're the only person who might be able to get him to listen. That's a depressing thought, Nico sighed. All right. I'll do my best. Besides, he's still hiding something from me about my mom. Maybe I can figure out what. Good luck. Now Mrs. O'Leary and I have to go. Where? Nico said. I looked at the cave entrance and thought about the long climb back to the world of the living. To get this war started, it's time I found Luke. All right, everyone, and uh, because I have a bit of editing to do, uh, I just want to make sure, I, I, I guess I have to reread a section of this, okay, just because I, it sounds like I said Elizabeth somewhere in there, and I didn't mean to, because um, that's a totally different person. Okay, uh, let's see. So, for edit point, Sam, go ahead and cut this in. Uh, It's uh, sort of mid-chapter as Percy is in the river. Here we go. Hold on, seaweed brain. No, that was bad. That was a bad take. (laughs) Might as well give it another shot. Hold on, seaweed brain. It was Annabeth's voice. Much clearer now. You're not getting away from me that easy. And that was another bad take. Let's do that one more time. Not going great on this redo. Hold on, seaweed brain. It was Annabeth's voice, much clearer now. You're not getting away from me that easily. The cord strengthened. I could see Annabeth now, standing barefoot above me on the Canoe Lake pier. I'd fallen out of my canoe. That was it. She was reaching out her hand to haul me up, and she was trying not to laugh. She wore her orange camp t-shirt and jeans. Her hair was tucked up in her Yankees cap, which was strange because it should have made her invisible. You are such an idiot sometimes, she smiled. Come on, take my hand. Memories came flooding back to me, sharper and more colorful. I stopped dissolving. My name was Percy Jackson. I reached up and took Annabeth's hand. Suddenly, I burst out of the river. I collapsed on the ground, and Nico scrambled back in surprise. Are you okay? He stammered. Your, your skin. Oh, gods, you're hurt. My arms were bright red. I felt like every inch of my body had been broiled over a slow flame. I looked around for Annabeth, though I knew she wasn't there. Wasn't there? I looked around for Annabeth, though I knew she wasn't there. It seemed so real. Okay, there we go. Boop, boop, boop. All right, everyone. That was the end of our first of three chapters today. And there's really no great spot for me to take my break today because we've got a short, uh, we got like a, a medium-length chapter, a long chapter, then another medium. Uh, so, uh, I think I'm going to wait until I I need the break a little bit more, I guess would be the best way to say it. So, uh, I am going to hold off and I'm going to take my break later on. Cyril, hello. How y'all doing? Welcome back. Uh, Dahlia, good to see you. Good to have you here. Everybody, how are you? Big Mama says, I love the Achilles voice. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, folks. Speaking of voices, um, I'm gonna need to start taking some suggestions for uh, for voices for um, uh, for the Hunger Games. And I will say, it was it was a little tough last time because I think there are a lot of like there are a lot of people with great voices. There are a lot of people who would have made great portrayals, but um, unfortunately, on my end, uh, for somebody like I mean, even let's see. So uh the uh oh boy why am i having such a hard time um i can see her face who 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 played katniss everdeen come on dude why can't i remember her name jennifer lawrence there we go um jennifer lawrence like uh that is like at the the barest minimum of the amount of like uniqueness that a a person can have for it to sort of sound different coming out of my head right because I'm making all these voices so I can sort of come close to certain things but like the difference between um, you know Jennifer Lawrence and um, like the the actress who played um, uh, oh boy oh boy see I'm trying to remember names from this thing it's been a while Uh, but like Effie Right, Effie has got like a very sort of lilting uh sort of uh different voice. So that one's gonna be okay. I can probably pull off Effie. Um, but and, and uh Woody Harrelson, I think that one's probably gonna be all right. But we had the the actor who played Gail, um, and then um like between Gail and uh <laughs> uh the designer, that like would probably not sound terribly, terribly different just because um uh, and of course, I'm telling you, all I have some sort of very, very strange, um, like some, some strange anomaly in my head where I can have the name right up until the point where I need to say it and then it disappears on me. I wonder if there's a name for that because it was right there. I had it um, and now I don't anymore. Um, let's see. Hold on. And I it's definitely worse when I'm when I'm uh trying to stream. Lenny Kravitz, there we go. Uh like Lenny Kravitz's voice, not so unique that I think I'm gonna be able to differentiate it easily. So um I would say on on that end, just be prepared for a lot of these voices to sound pretty different, you know? Had Jennifer Anderson stuck in your head? Yeah. It's called C R S. Well, I'm gonna look that up. Let me see. C R S what does that stand for? Catholic Relief Services. I think I've got Catholic Relief Services. Uh, <laughs> um, Cytokine Release Syndrome. That sounds like maybe not me. What are we talking about? It's a French word. Uh, it's called tip of the tongue. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but that's my issue. Uh, it's right there until I need it, and then I can't and I can't pull it out. And it's, like, fully gone. Um, so I have to go ahead and look it up. I, Like I said, I had that name available to me. It was ready to be said up until the point where I needed to say it, and then it's gone. Uh, folks, thank you very much for joining me for our first of three chapters tonight. Um, we are just wrapping up Chapter 8, and now we've got Chapters 9 and 10 coming up. Chapter 9 is a bit of a longer one, uh, so... I think we're just going to launch into that one next. Sandra says, maybe try to set the voice uh, to the distinct, maybe try to set the voice to the dis- district that the character comes from. I might, uh, although that does limit me because we've got some, like for instance, uh, if if I did like a similar sort of accent for everyone from the capital, that would get complicated very quickly because there are a lot of characters from the capital. And over over the series, I think there are probably a lot of, a lot from individual districts as well. So, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out over time. Uh, Big Mama says, I think the Luke voice would be great for Gale. Uh, you know what? You're probably right, Big Mama. I think that probably would be a pretty good one, wouldn't it? Um, and should, <laughs> should I make Finn and Poseidon the same voice? <laughs> probably not, but it would be funny. All right. All right. <sighs> Are y'all ready for our next chapter? I think we let's talk a little bit of review. For what I am maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like I'm running behind tonight. Well, I'll sort it out later. Uh so, bah, bah, bah. let's see. Uh chapter 8. A bit of review for anyone who is joining us a bit late. Uh y'all, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Uh if you want to catch up, of course this will be uh up on uh on Twitch for 2 weeks and then it'll be up uh under the name uh Flying Sidecar. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts. Um and i think uh if you're going to if you're going to stick with us tonight and just rely on the review i think i'm going to give it a good shot here chapter 8 i take the worst bath ever so percy percy and nico have uh have gone to see what luke was up to it turns out luke is trying to accomplish the same thing that nico's sort of plan has here um they head down to the underworld and percy gets captured by hades Not great. Uh, Percy sort of like nods off uh, as he is about to go to jail. Nico rescues him because this was kind of Nico's fault. And uh, they head to the River Styx. At the River Styx, they are met with the ghost of a warrior, Achilles. Now, you all might know the term Achilles heel. um, And that is because the Achilles heel is synonymous for weakness. Uh, the story with Achilles is that, uh, when he was a baby, his mother, uh, sort of asked for a blessing and dipped him in the river. Uh, and, but held this little baby, uh, held the little baby Achilles by the ankle. And so there's one spot that the river water didn't touch. Um, and so that was his one weakness. And turns out that's where he got shot, um, by an arrow because that's how Greek mythology works. Um, he sort of warns Percy, like, you can't be totally invincible, and also don't do this. Uh, it is a curse, is what this is. Um, but uh, if you're going to, you will be destroyed by the River Styx unless you you choose your weak point. Uh, it is going to be the one part of the remains mortal and sort of human. Um, and so, yeah, Uh it, Percy chooses sort of a spot in his lower back. He descends beneath the water. It's terrible down there. And uh, he has a little vision of uh, of Annabeth and then pops back up. And it uh, turns out it worked, it seems, because Hades shows up all ticked off that his prisoner has run off. Um, but Percy goes ahead and just wrecks his whole army here um, and uh, actually gets the best of Hades himself before Hades just sort of disappears not agreeing uh t- with uh Percy's demand to tell Percy what is the trap that's sort of been planned by the uh by the titans he's not going to help out hades is not going to help out with this war um and that's where we're at percy says it's time to get this war started so i think that's where we're headed so Everyone, I hope you have enjoyed thus far. Uh, I think it's going to be fun to uh, dive into Chapter 9, and then uh, I guess as a brief reminder, folks, uh, don't forget, uh, like I said, our next series is going to be The Hunger Games. I think that one's going to be a lot of fun, Uh, and just as as an example, because I I don't want to make it sound like I'm sort of talking about this for no reason here... Um, uh, you know, when I mentioned that, that Percy Jackson is pretty shy to take on any sort of real serious issues, um, there is that moment, right, where where Percy's going into the River Styx. And this is like, I mean, this is one of the darkest places in the entire mythological world, right? And uh, he has these visions and his, you know, parts of his life are sort of passing before his eyes. Um, and uh, he's having these flashbacks, this, this really important moment. And uh, we get uh, to just sort of, undercut that enchiladas all right this thing's always it, it's always kind of shooting for comedic relief even in moments that you know i think could have a decent bit of weight they could have carried a, a decent bit of impact here but we got enchiladas i think this whole thing was just i i think this one stays at a younger level it it uh, it stays at sort of that first book kind of level all right y'all ready Ready right, for the next chapter? Chapter Nine Two Snakes Save My Life. Chapter Nine Two Snakes Save My Life. I love New York. You can pop out of the Underworld in Central Park, hail a taxi, head down to Fifth Avenue with a giant hellhound loping along behind you, and nobody even looks at you funny. Of course, the mist helped. People probably couldn't see Mrs. O'Leary, or maybe they thought she was a large, loud, very friendly truck. I took the risk of using my mom's cell phone to call Annabeth for a second time. I called her from the tunnel, but only reached her voicemail i'd gotten surprisingly good reception seeing as i was at the mythological center of the world and all but i didn't see but i didn't want to see what my mom's roaming charges were going to be this time annabeth picked up hey i said you get my message percy where have you been your message said almost nothing i've been worried sick i'll fill you in later i said though how i was going to do that i had no idea Where are you? We're on our way, like you asked. Almost to Queens? Midtown Tunnel? But, Percy, what are you planning? We've left the camp virtually undefended. There's no way. The gods... Trust me, I said. I'll see you there. I hung up. My hands were trembling. I wasn't sure if it was a leftover reaction from my dip in the sticks or anticipation of what I was about to do. If this didn't work, being invulnerable wasn't going to save me from being blasted to bits... It was late afternoon when the taxi dropped me at the Empire State Building. Mrs. O'Leary bounded up and down Fifth Avenue, licking cabs and sniffing hot dog carts. Nobody seemed to notice her, although people did swerve out of the way and look confused when she came close. I whistled for her to heel as three white vans pulled up to the curb. They said Delphi Strawberry Service, which was the cover name for Camp Half-Blood. I'd never seen all three vans in the same place at once, though I knew they shuttled our fresh produce into the city. The first van was driven by Argus, our many-eyed security chief. The other two were driven by Harpies, who are basically demonic chicken-human hybrids with bad attitudes. We used the Harpies mostly for cleaning the camp, but they did pretty well up in the midtown traffic, too. The doors slid open. A bunch of campers climbed out, some looking a little green from the long drive. I was glad so many of them had come. Pollux, Selena Beauregard... The Stoll brothers, Michael Yu, Jake Mason, Katie Gardner, and Annabeth, along with most of their siblings. Chiron came out of the van last. His horse half was compacted into his magic wheelchair, so he used the handicap lift. The area's cabin wasn't there, but I tried not to get too angry about that. Clarice was a stubborn idiot, end of story. I did a head count. Forty campers in all. Not many to fight in a war, but it was still the largest group of half-bloods I'd ever seen gathered in one place outside camp. Everyone looked nervous, and I understood why. We were probably sending out so much demigod aura that every monster in the northeast United States knew we were here. As I looked at their faces, all these campers I'd known for so many summers, a nagging voice whispered in my mind. One of them is a spy. But I couldn't dwell on that. They were my friends. I needed them. Then I remembered Kronos' evil smile. You can't count on friends, they will always let you down. Annabeth came up to me. She was dressed in black camouflage, with her celestial bronze knife strapped to her arm and her laptop bag slung over her shoulder, ready for stabbing or surfing the internet, whichever came first. She frowned. What is it? Watch what? I asked. You're looking at me funny. I realized I was thinking about my strange vision of Annabeth pulling me out of the River Styx. It's, uh, nothing. I turned to the rest of the group. Thanks for coming, everybody. Cameron, after you. My old mentor shook his head. I came to wish you luck, my boy but I make it a point never to visit Olympus unless I am summoned. "'But you're our leader,' he smiled. "'I am your trainer, your teacher. "'That is not the same as being a leader. "'I will go gather what allies I can. "'I will go gather what allies I can. "'It may not be too late to convince my brothers centaurs, to help. "'Meanwhile, you call the campers here, Percy.' You are the leader. I wanted to protest, but everyone was looking at me expectantly. Even Annabeth. I took a deep breath. Okay, Uh, like I told Annabeth on the phone, something bad's going to happen by tonight. There's some kind of trap. we got to get an audience with Zeus and convince him to defend the city. Remember, we can't take no for an answer. I asked Argus to watch Mrs. O'Leary, which... Neither of them looked happy about. Chiron shook my hand. You'll do well, Percy. Just remember your strengths and beware your weaknesses. It sounded eerily close to what Achilles had told me. Then I remembered Chiron had taught Achilles. That didn't exactly reassure me, but I nodded and tried to give him a confident smile. but I nodded and tried to give him a confident smile. Let's go, I told the campers. A security guard was sitting behind the desk in the lobby, reading a big black book and a flower on the cover. Oh, reading a big black book with a flower on the cover. He glanced up when we all filed in with our weapons and armor clanking. School group? We're about to close up. No, I said. 600th floor. He checked us out. His eyes were pale blue and his head was completely bald. I couldn't tell if he was human or not, but he seemed to notice our weapons, so I guess he wasn't fooled by the mist. There is no 600th floor kid. He said it like a... was a required line he didn't believe. Move along! I leaned across the desk. Forty demigods was going to attract an awful lot of monsters. You really want us hanging out in your lobby? He thought about that. Then he hit a buzzer and the security gate swung open. Make it quick! You don't want us going through the metal detectors, I added. Uh, no, he agreed. Elevator on the right! I guess you know the way. I tossed him a golden drachma and we marched through. We decided we would take two trips to get everyone into the elevator. I went with the first group. Different elevator music... Ooh, boy. I went with the first group. Different elevator music was playing since my last visit. That old disco song, Staying Alive. A terrifying image flashed through the mind of Apollo in bell-bottom pants and a slinky silk shirt. I was glad when the elevator doors finally dinged open. In front of us, a path of floating stones led through the clouds up to Mount Olympus, hovering 6,000 feet over Manhattan. I'd seen Olympus several times, but it still took my breath away. The mansions glittered gold and white against the sides of the mountain. Gardens bloomed on a hundred terraces. Scented smoke rose from braziers that lined the winding streets, and right at the top of the snow-capped crests rose the main palace of the gods. It looked as majestic as ever, but something seemed wrong. Then I realized the mountain was silent. No music, no voices, no laughter. Annabeth studied me. "'You look... different,' she decided. Where exactly did you go? The elevator doors opened again, and the second group of half-bloods joined us. I'll tell you later, they said. Come on. We made our way across the sky bridge into the streets of Olympus. The shops were closed. The parks were empty. A couple of muses sat on a bench, strumming flaming lyres, but their hearts didn't seem to be in it. A lone cyclops swept the street with an uprooted oak tree. A minor godling spotted us from a balcony and ducked inside, closing his shutters. We passed under a big marble archway with statues of Zeus and Hera on either side. Annabeth made a face at the Queen of the Gods. Hate her, she muttered. Has she been cursing you or something? I asked. Last year Annabeth had gotten on Hera's bad side, but Annabeth hadn't really talked about it since. Just little stuff so far? she said. "'Their sacred animal is a cow, right?' "'Right.' "'So she sends cows after me.' I tried not to smile. "'Cows in San Francisco?' "'Oh, yeah. Usually I don't see them, but the cows leave me little presents all over the place. In our backyard, on the sidewalk, school hallways. I have to be careful where I step.' "'Look!' Pilots cried, pointing toward the horizon. What is that? We all froze. Blue lights were streaking across the evening sky toward Olympus like tiny comets. They seemed to be coming from all over the city, heading straight toward the mountain. As they got close, they fizzled out. We watched them for several minutes and they didn't seem to do any damage, but still, it was strange. Like infrared scopes, Michael Yu muttered. We're being targeted. Let's get to the palace, I said. No one was guarding the Hall of the Gods. The white and silver doors stood wide open. Our footsteps echoed as we walked into the throne room. Of course, room doesn't really cover it. The place was really kind of the size of Madison Square Garden. High above, the blue ceiling glittered with constellations. Twelve giant empty thrones stood in a yew around the hearth. In one corner, a house-sized globe of water hovered in the air, and inside swam my old friend, the Ophiotaurus, Half cow, half serpent. Moo, he said happily, turning in a circle. Despite all the serious stuff going on, I had to smile. Two years ago, we'd spent a lot of time trying to save the Taurus from the Titans, and I'd gotten kind of fond of him. He seemed to like me, too, even though I'd originally thought he was a girl named Bessie. "'Hey, man,' I said. "'Are they treating you okay?' "'Mmm,' no. Bessie answered. We walked through the thrones, and a woman's voice said, "'Hello again, Percy Jackson. "'You and your friends are welcome.' Hestia stood by the hearth, poking the flames with a stick. She wore the same kind of simple brown dress as she had been before, but she was now a grown woman. I bowed. Lady Hestia? My friends followed my example. Hestia regarded me with her red, glowing eyes. I see you went through with your plan. You bear the curse of Achilles. The other campers started muttering among themselves— What did she say? "'What about Achilles?' "'You must be careful,' Hestia warned me. "'You gained much on your journey, but you're still blind to the most important truth. Perhaps a glimpse is in order.' Annabeth nudged me. "'Um, what is she talking about?' I stared at Hestia's eyes, and an image rushed into my mind. I saw a dark alley between red brick warehouses. A sign above one of the doors read, Richmond Iron Works. Two half-bloods crouched in the shadows, a boy of about fourteen and a girl about twelve. I realized with a start that the boy was Luke. The girl was Talia, daughter of Zeus. I was seeing a scene from back in the days when they were on the run, before Grover found them. Luke carried a bronze knife. Talia had her spear and shield of terror, Aegis. Luke and Talia both looked hungry and lean, with wild animal eyes like they were used to being attacked. Are you sure? Are you sure? Talia asked. Luke nodded. Something down there. I sense it. A rumble echoed from the alley like someone had banged on sheet metal. The half-bloods crept forward. Old crates were stacked in a loading dock. Talia and Luke approached with their weapons ready. A curtain of corrugated tin quivered as if something were behind it. Talia glanced at Luke. He counted silently. One, two, three. He ripped away the tin and a little girl flew at him with a hammer. Whoa, Luke said. The girl had tangled blonde hair and was wearing flannel pajamas. She couldn't have been more than seven, but she would have brained Luke if he hadn't been so fast. He grabbed her wrist, and the hammer skittered across the cement. The little girl thought and kicked. No more monsters. Go go away. It's okay. Luke struggled to hold on to her. Talia, put your shield up. You're scaring her. Talia tapped Aegis, and it shrunk back into a silver bracelet. I, it's all right, she said. We're not going to hurt you. I'm Talia, and this is Luke. Monsters? No, Luke promised. But we know all about monsters. We fight them too. Slowly, the girl stopped kicking. She studied Luke and Talia with large, intelligent gray eyes. You're like me? She said suspiciously. Yeah, Luke said. We're... "'Well, it's hard to explain, but we're monster fighters. "'Where's your family?' "'My family hates me,' the girl said. "'They don't want me. I ran away.' "'Talia and Luke locked eyes. "'I knew they both related to what she was saying. "'What's your name, kiddo?' Talia asked. "'Annabeth.' "'Luke smiled.' "'Nice name. I tell you what, Annabeth, you're pretty fierce. We could use a fighter like you.' Annabeth's eyes widened. "'You could?' "'Oh, yeah.' Luke turned his knife and offered her the handle. "'How would you like a real monster-slaying weapon? "'This is Celestial Bronze. It works a lot better than a hammer.' "'Maybe under most circumstances, offering a seven-year-old a knife would not have been a good idea.' But when you're a half-blood, regular rules kind of go out the window. Annabeth grabbed the hilt. Knives are only for the bravest and quickest fighters, Luke explained. They don't have the reach or the power of a sword, but they're easy to conceal, and you can find weak spots in your enemy's armor. It takes a clever warrior to use a knife. I got a feeling you're pretty clever. Annabeth stared at him with adoration. Talia grinned. We well, better get going, Annabeth. We've got a new safe house on the James River. We'll get you some clothes and some food. You're, you're not going to take me back to my family, she said. Promise. Luke put his hand on her shoulder. You're part of our family now, and I promise I won't let anything hurt you. I'm not going to fail you like our families did us. "'Deal?' "'Deal?' Annabeth said happily. "'Now, come on,' Talia said. "'Can't stay put for too long.' The scene shifted. The three demigods were running through the woods. Must have been several days later, maybe even weeks. All of them looked beat up, like they'd seen some battles. Annabeth was wearing new clothes, jeans and an oversized army jacket. "'Just a little farther, Luke promised. Annabeth stumbled and he took her hand. Talia brought up the rear, brandishing her shield like she was driving back whatever pursued them. She was limping on her left leg. They scrambled to a ridge and looked down on the other side at a white colonial house. May Castellan's place. "'All right,' Luke said, breathing hard. "'I'll just sneak in and grab some food and medicine. "'You wait here.' "'Luke, are you sure?' Talia asked.' You swore you'd never come back here, if she catches you. We don't have a choice, he growled. They burned our nearest safe house, and you got to treat that leg wound. This is your house? Annabeth said with amazement. It was my house, Luke muttered. Believe me, if this wasn't an emergency... Is your mom really horrible? Annabeth asked. Can we see her? No, Luke snapped. Annabeth shrank away from him as though his anger surprised her. "'I'm—I'm—I'm sorry,' he said. "'Just wait here. I promise everything will be okay. Nothing's gonna hurt you. I'll be back.' A brilliant golden flash illuminated the woods. The demigods winced, and a man's voice boomed. "'You should not have come home.' vision shut off my knees buckled but annabeth grabbed me percy what happened did you you see that i asked see what i glanced at hestia but the goddess's face was expressionless i remembered something she had told me in the woods if you are to understand your enemy luke you must understand his family but why had she shown me those scenes How long was I out? I muttered. Annabeth knit her eyebrows. Percy, you weren't out at all. You just looked at Hestia for, like, one second and collapsed. I could feel everyone's eyes on me. I couldn't afford to look weak. Whatever those visions meant, I had to stay focused on our mission. Uh, Lady Hestia? I said. We've come on urgent business. We need to see... I know what you need to see, a man's voice said. I shuddered because it was the same one that I had heard in the vision. A god shimmered into existence next to Hestia. He looked about twenty-five, with curly salt-and-pepper hair and elfish features. He wore a military pilot's flight suit, with tiny bird wings fluttering on the helmet and black leather boots. In the crook of his arm was a long staff entwined with two living serpents. I will leave you now, Hestia said. She bowed to the aviator and disappeared into smoke. I understood why she was so anxious to go. Hermes, the god of messengers, did not look happy. Hello, Percy. His brow furrowed as though he was annoyed with me, and I wondered if he somehow knew about the vision I'd just had. I wanted to ask why he had been in May Castellan's house that night. And what had happened after he had caught Luke? I remembered the first time I'd met Luke at Camp Halfblood. I asked him if he had ever met his father, and he looked at me bitterly and said once. But I could tell from Hermes' expression that this was not the time to ask. I bowed awkwardly. Boys, Hermes. Oh, sure. One of the snakes said in my mind. Don't say hi to us. We're just reptiles. George, the other snake scolded. Be polite. Hello, George, I said. Hey, Martha. Did you bring us a rat? George asked. George, stop it, Martha said. He's busy. Too busy for rats. George said That's just sad I decided it was better not to get into it with George uh, Hermes, I said We need to talk to Zeus It's important Hermes's eyes were steely cold I'm his messenger May I take a message? Behind me the other demigods shifted restlessly this wasn't going as planned. Maybe if I tried to speak with Hermes in private. You guys, I said, why don't you do a sweep of the city? Check the defenses, see who's left in Olympus. Meet Annabeth and me here in thirty minutes. Zelena so frowned. But that's a good idea, Annabeth said. Connor, Travis, you two lead. The Stoles seemed to like that, getting handed an opportunity for responsibility right in front of their dad they usually never led anything except toilet paper raids we're on it travis said they herded the others out of the throne room leaving annabeth and me with hermes my lord annabeth said Carnos is going to attack new york you must suspect that my mother must have foreseen it your mother hermes grumbled he scratched his back with his caduceus, and George and Martha muttered, Ow! Ow! You don't get me started on your mother, young lady. She's the reason I'm here at all. Zeus didn't want to... Zeus didn't want any of us to leave the front line. But your mother kept pestering him nonstop. It's a trap. It's a diversion. Blah, blah, blah. She wanted to come back here herself, but Zeus was not going to let his number one strategist leave his side while we're battling Typhon. So naturally, he sent me back to talk to you. But it is a trap, Annabeth insisted. Is Zeus blind? Thunder rolled through the sky. I'd watch the comments, girl, Hermes warned. Zeus is not blind or deaf. He's not left Olympus completely undefended. But there are those blue lights... Yes, yes, I saw them. Some mischief by that insufferable goddess of magic, Hecate, I'll wager, but you may have noticed they aren't doing any damage. Olympus has strong magical wards. Besides, Aeolus, the king of the winds, has sent his most powerful minions to guard the citadel. No one can save... No one save the gods can approach Olympus from the air. They'd be knocked out of the sky. I raised my hand. Uh, what about materializing, teleporting thing that you guys do? It's a form of air travel, too, Jackson. Very fast, but the wind gods are faster. Now, if Kronos wants Olympus, he'll have to march through the entire city with his army and take the elevators. Can you see him doing that? Hermes made it sound pretty ridiculous. Hordes of monsters going up in the elevator twenty at a time, listening to Stan alive... Still, I didn't like it. Maybe just a few of you could come back, I suggested. Hermes shook his head impatiently. Percy Jackson, you don't understand. Typhon is our greatest enemy. I thought that was Kronos. The god's eyes glowed. No, Percy, in the old days, Olympus was overthrown, almost, by Typhon. He is husband of Echidna. I met her at the arch, I muttered. Not nice. And the father of all monsters. We can never forget how close he came to destroying us all. How he humiliated us. We were more powerful back in the old days. Now we can expect no help from Poseidon because he's fighting his own war. Hades sits in his realm and does nothing. And Demeter and Persephone follow his lead. It'll take all of our remaining power to oppose the storm giant. We can't divide our forces, not "'Nor can we wait until he gets to New York. "'We have to battle him now, and we're making progress.' "'Progress,' I said. "'He nearly destroyed St. Louis.' "'Yes,' Hermes admitted. "'But he only destroyed half of Kentucky. "'He's slowing down, losing power.' "'I didn't want to argue, but it sounded like Hermes was trying to convince himself.' "'In the corner, the Ophiatoris mooed sadly.' "'Please, Hermes,' Annabeth said. "'You said my mother wanted to come. Did she give you any messages for us?' "'Messages,' he muttered. "'It'll be a great job,' they told me. "'Not much work. Lots of worshippers. "'Nobody cares what I have to say. It's always about someone else's messages.' "'Rodents!' George mused. "'I'm in it for the rodents!' Martha scolded. We care what Hermes has to say, don't we, George? Oh, absolutely. Can we go back to the battle now? I want to do laser mode again. That's fun. Quiet, both of you. Hermes grumbled. The god looked at Annabeth, who was doing her big, pleading gray eyes thing. Ah, Hermes said. Your mother said to warn you that you were on your own. You must hold down Manhattan without the help of the gods, as if I didn't know that. Why would they pay her to be the Wisdom Goddess? I'm not sure. Anything else? Annabeth asked. She said you should try Plan 23. She said you would know what that meant. Annabeth's face paled. Obviously she did know what it meant, and she didn't like it. Go on. Last thing. Hermes looked at me. You said to tell Percy, remember the rivers. And, uh, something about staying away from her daughter. I'm not sure whose face was redder. Annabeth's from mine. Thank you, Hermes, Annabeth said. And I, I wanted to say I'm sorry about Luke. The god's expression hardened like he'd turned to marble. You should have left that subject alone. Annabeth stepped back nervously. Sorry? Sorry doesn't cut it. George and Martha curled around the caduceus, which shimmered and changed into something that looked suspiciously like a high-voltage cattle prod. You should have saved him when you had the chance, Hermes growled at Annabeth. You're the only one who could have. I tried to step between them. What are you talking about? Annabeth didn't... Don't defend her, Jackson. Hermes turned the cattle prod toward me. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you should blame yourself. I should have kept my mouth shut, but I knew that I was turning his attention away from Annabeth. This whole time, he hadn't been angry with me. He'd been angry with her. Maybe if you hadn't abandoned Luke and his mom. Hermes raised the cattle prod. He began to grow until he was ten feet tall. I thought, that's it. But as he prepared to strike, George and Martha leaned in close and whispered something in his ear. Hermes clenched his teeth. He lowered the cattle prod and turned it back into a staff. "'Percy Jackson,' he said. "'Because you've taken on the curse of Achilles, I must spare you. "'You're in the hands of the fates now, but you will never speak to me like that again. "'You've got no idea how much I've sacrificed. "'How much I—' His voice broke, and he shrank back to human size.' My son, my greatest pride. my poor May. He sounded so devastated, I didn't know what to say. One minute he was ready to vaporize us. Now he looked like he needed a hug. Look, Lord Hermes, I said. I'm sorry, but I need to know what happened to May. She said something about Luke's fate and, and her eyes. Hermes glared at me, and my voice faltered. The look on his face wasn't really anger, though, it was pain. Deep, incredible pain. I'll leave you now, he said tightly. I've got a war to fight. He began to shine. I turned away and made sure Annabeth did the same because she was still frozen in shock. Good luck, Percy. And Martha the Snake whispered. Hermes glowed with the light of a supernova. Then he was gone. By the way, hey Mem Memnite, welcome back. Sixteen months not bad uh you are what i think third place for longest running and it is lovely to have you here um i don't know if you're sticking around for tonight or what have you but it's good to have you i hope you're doing well uh have a great afternoon evening wherever you're at Uh, i'm trying to remember if i already know where you're at i don't think i do top of my head i don't remember what time zone you're in i don't think i don't think maybe i don't know let's continue Annabeth sat at the foot of her mother's throne and cried. I wanted to comfort her, but I wasn't sure how. Annabeth, I said, it's not your fault. I've never seen Hermes act that way. I, I guess, I don't know, he, he probably feels guilty about Luke. He's looking for somebody to blame. I don't know why he lashed out at you. You didn't have anything to do to deserve that. You didn't do anything to deserve that. Annabeth wiped her eyes. She stared at the hearth like it was her own funeral pyre. I shifted uneasily. hey uh, you didn't, right? She didn't answer. Her celestial bronze knife was strapped to her arm, the same knife I'd seen in Hestia's vision. All these years, I hadn't realized it was a gift from Luke. I'd asked her many times why she preferred to fight with a knife instead of a sword, and she had never answered me. Now I knew why. Percy? She said. What did you mean about Luke's mother? Did you meet her? I nodded reluctantly. Yeah, Nico and I visited her. She was a little different. I described May Castellan and the weird moment when her eyes started to glow and she started to talk about her son's fate. Annabeth frowned. That doesn't make sense. But why were you visiting? Her eyes widened. Hermes said you bear the curse of Achilles. Hestia said the same thing. Did you... did you bathe in the river Styx? Don't change the subject. Percy, did you or not? Maybe maybe a little? I told her the story about Hades and Nico and how i defeated an army of the dead. I left out the vision of me getting pulled out of the river by her. I still didn't quite understand that part, and thinking about it made me embarrassed. She shook her head in disbelief. Do you have any idea how dangerous that was? I had no choice, I said. It's the only way I can stand up to Luke. You mean... Mortalis? that's... Of course. That's why Luke didn't die. He went to the sticks and... Oh, Luke... What were you thinking? I shall know you're worried about Luke again, I grumbled. She stared at me like I'd just dropped from space. What? Forget it, I murmured. I wondered what Hermes had meant by... Annabeth not saving Luke when she'd had a chance? Clearly, she wasn't telling me something. But at the moment, I wasn't in the mood to ask. The last thing I wanted was for her to tell me more of her history with Luke. The point is, he didn't die in the sticks, I said. Neither did I. Now I have to go face him. And we have to defend Olympus. Annabeth was studying my face like she was trying to see differences since my swim in the sticks. I guess you're right. My mom mentioned Plan 23. She rummaged in her pack and pulled out Daedalus' laptop. The blue delta symbol glowed on the top when she booted it up. She opened a few files and started to read. There it is, she said. Gods, we've got a lot of work to do. Is it uh, one of Daedalus' inventions? "'A lot of inventions. Dangerous ones. "'If my mother wants me to use this plan, she must think things are very bad.' "'She looked at me. "'What about her message to you? Remember the rivers? What does that mean?' "'I shook my head. As usual, I had no clue what the gods were telling me. "'Which rivers was I supposed to remember? The Styx? The Mississippi?' "'Just then the Stoll brothers came running into the throne room.' You need to see this, Connor said. No. The blue lights in the sky had stopped, so at first I didn't understand what the problem was. The other campers had gathered at a small park at the edge of the mountain. They were clustered at the guardrail, looking down at Manhattan. The railing was lined with those tourist binoculars where you could deposit one golden drachma to see the city. Campers were using every single one. I looked down at the city. I could almost see everything from here. The East River and the Hudson River carving the shape of Manhattan. The grid of streets, the lights of the skyscrapers, the dark stretch of Central Park in the north. Everything looked normal, but something was wrong. I felt it in my bones before realizing what it was. I don't hear anything, Annabeth said. That was the problem. Even from this height, I should have heard the noise of the city. Millions of people bustling around, thousands of cars and machines, the hum of a huge metropolis. You don't even think about it when you live in New York, but it's always there. Even in the dead of night, New York is never silent. But it was now. I felt like my best friend had dropped dead. What did they do? My voice sounded tight and angry. What did they do to my city? I pushed Michael Yu out of the way from the binoculars and took a look. In the streets below, traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on the sidewalks or curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence. No wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if all of the people in New York had simply decided to stop what they were doing and pass out. Are they dead? Selena said. Ice coated my stomach. A line from the prophecy rang in my ears. And I still see... And I see the world in endless sleep. Oh, no, there's no eye in there. A line from the prophecy rang in my ears. And see the world in endless sleep. I remembered Grover's story about meeting the god Morpheus in Central Park. You're lucky I'm saving my energy for the main event. Not dead, I said. Morpheus has put the entire island of... Morpheus has put the entire island of Manhattan to sleep. The invasion has started. All right, folks. There we have it. Uh, I actually had more art for that chapter, but we sort of, we were in New York, and then we bounced to Olympus for a little bit, and now we're sort of back looking at New York, so I think it's just fine. Um, all this stopped traffic. Uh, everyone, thank you very much for joining me for uh, our second of three chapters for tonight. That means we do indeed have one more. Uh, that was our longest chapter for the evening. That one's clocking in at about 5,000 words. Uh, was it 5,000 almost exactly? No, 5,400. Um Uh, Yeah, and so our next chapter is going to be a bit shorter than that, but everyone, I hope you're having a lovely afternoon, lovely evening, uh, even a lovely morning, because maybe you're listening to a recorded version of this later on, on the Flying Sidecar, uh, under the name Flying Sidecar on whatever app you like to get your podcasts on. Folks, thank you so much for joining me. I am going to take a quick break. Yes, indeed, Gwendog, one more chapter. One more. It's not a short one, either. It's like a medium-length one. Uh, but I think we're, we're on a good schedule for right now. So, everyone, I'm going to leave you with a chatter break. All right? A bit of a chatter break, of course. Um, the, you know, we're, we're only about, let me see. Oh, I can actually tell you exactly how many words in we are. Because uh, I do my, my word counts for each individual chapter. So, we have read uh, 38, almost 39,000 words in this book. Um, and there are about 50,000 words remaining. So we're still in like the first third of this book. Um, and more than that, we're in the first two fifths of this book. Um, but, uh, y'all, an interesting little, interesting detail here. Of course, the energy is sort of ramping up very quickly, right? Um, this is the big climax of this series, uh, But we're heading into it very early in this particular book. Um, So I think we can expect there's going to be a lot of conflict uh, over time in uh, different parts of Manhattan, potentially, different parts of New York City, potentially even elsewhere as well. Um, It would not surprise me so much if Percy landed underwater once again at some point. Um, But he's got some things to remember. Uh, Something about about the rivers. What rivers... What rivers is this referencing? Uh, And then, of course, Annabeth, she has got, uh, her her mother has advised her in a plan, plan number 23. Fortunately, we don't have to wait too long to know what this plan is, unlike Nico's plan we've been waiting on for forever. Um, But folks, I think our bit question is going to be a little bit more grounded, not so much in the the big action bits that are happening, but... uh, Gwen uh, Gwendog, yes indeed. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it when I do my um, my review as well. But yes, the plan is uh, basically give Percy the same power as Achilles, dip him in the river Styx, uh, let let him take a, a quick uh, quick little paddle around the river Styx, uh, and make him invisible except for invisible, make him invincible except for one spot, which is going to be his his sort of big weakness. That was Nico's plan. It turns out it was a success, but I'll talk about that more in the um, in the review. Um, I think our Chatterbreak question for today is going to be, I mean, it's got to be about Luke. Uh, excuse me, it's got to be about Percy. Although, I mean, Luke would have been a big one too. Um, I think, uh, you know, even more so, maybe about, maybe about Annabeth. Now that I think about that, that might be a better plan. So, um, I think this, this chapter, we we sort of understood in a general sense, why it was that uh, that Annabeth and uh, Luke had such a strong connection. Uh, of course, it's because she and Talia and Luke, Annabeth, Talia, Luke, they were the sort, sort of dynamic trio in their own adventures prior to being taken in by the camp. And that makes it sound sort of glamorous and adventurous, but really what it was is three very young, very scared children trying to fight off monsters in the dark and not having safe places to sleep or safe uh, or or reliable ways to eat. Um, So this, I mean, this bond of trauma must have been strong between Annabeth and Luke and Talia. So let's talk about that a little bit, I think. It still feels like there are probably pieces missing. There are things that we don't know about that trio, Luke, Talia, and Annabeth. But um, for for Annabeth, I guess I, I'm going to go kind of general here because I think we're going to get some some answers probably in short order. Um, where what, what do we think is on Annabeth's mind right now? As we go into this final, because of course she is a strategist, she's got other things on her mind as well. But uh, where is her focus? Where are her allegiances right now? Um, and uh, overall, just sort of the, the sort of undercurrent question, the underlying question for all of these things is just what's going on in Annabeth's head right now. So that is my chatter break question. I'm going to be back in five minutes. You will see the timer on screen if you're watching this live. Otherwise, just trust me, I'll be back in five. Okay, everyone, I will see you momentarily. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It is good to have you here. Oh, oh, somebody's getting banned because it's a bot account. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, Camille. We'll miss you. No, we won't. Hey, folks, I'm back. Guess what? Here I am. Never you fear. Uh, all right, folks, we are back. We are well back. It's good to see you all here. Um, I hope, you have, uh, hope you've been enjoying so far. And now we are going to get on into our next chapter, our final chapter for the day. Um, I do, I do, I think we're, we're mostly on track. Uh, I know there's been some mention. Remember I said, sheesh, you going late tonight. I think that's just because we had like, we had a really long chapter in the middle um, and so there was like, there was a, a shorter chapter at the beginning, shorter chapter at the end, so there was no great place for me to take my break. You know, even though this is typically the halfway point is when I take my break, there was no halfway point. Well, there was, it was just in the middle of the, the second chapter of the day. So, uh, instead I decided I would just wait until I sort of needed the break a little bit more. So, we're definitely not the halfway mark. Uh, we've got a, we got one more chapter here, and then, uh, that is going to be it for tonight. I hope you've enjoyed, and don't forget everyone, we have made the announcement, anyone who has just Shown up a little bit late tonight, our next series is going to be, I almost said Percy Jackson, <laughs> no, uh, even though that would be a valid answer, because that was one of the ones on the vote, but no, it, the next Percy Jackson series very narrowly lost out to the Hunger Games series, so, next up, uh, after this, at almost the, exactly the four year uh, mark, um, This is funny that it it took almost exactly a year to read um, the Percy Jackson series, Uh, and you know, like we we started this, we started Percy Jackson right around uh, the the three year mark of Sidecar Stories, the three year anniversary, Um, and then uh, we have got the four year anniversary is pretty much going to land exactly on the beginning of our next series, so that's going to be kind of fun. Uh, Dahlia yes you should remind me again I've got the I I don't have the the text of it open but I've got my sound bites stuff open so yes I will Dahlia I will indeed hold on let me actually open up the text here to remind myself okay there we go cool thank you uh let's see. Uh Tanisha says how long is the Hunger Games compared to Percy Jackson? Let's look up a word count. The total word count for the Percy Jackson series is I've got it right here. It's already written down um about 400,000 words. Um Percy Jackson the Olympians 400,000 words. Uh Hunger Games word count. Let's see. 99,000 words. So, you know, we're coming in like no, that, that can't possibly be right. Okay, I was going to say. Uh, let's see. Hunger Games. Uh, let's see. So, uh, three books, 101,000 words, 101, 101.2, 101.9, 102.7. So, um uh, this is going to be yeah I mean just a little over 300,000 words. So it's going to be a little bit shorter than Percy Jackson. So we're going to be we're going to be rolling on through. Uh certainly shorter, yeah. Certainly shorter than than Hunger Games, lots shorter than excuse me, shorter than PJO, lots shorter than Harry Potter. But I think it's going to be a good time nonetheless. Um I'm going I'm I'm looking forward to getting into some sort of uh you know really really digging into some of these ideas. A little, a little less shy on it. Uh, Zem, hello, Zem. How you doing? Three months, not bad at all. Good to have you here. Uh, I appreciate you and thank you for joining us. Uh, Gwen says I worked at a radio station, one hundred two point seven. Interesting. What's the what's the genre? What's the genre, Gwen? Dog. We talking talk radio? We talking some some yacht rock? <laughs> what was your deal? <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, good question Tanesha. It looks like about 100,000 words less than PJO. Um, uh, which is uh, in turn about 400,000 words. So, uh 300,000 this uh Hunger Games is going to be our shortest series for Flying Sidecar yet. We did uh I mean, you know, even Percy Jackson is less than half the length of the Harry Potter series. It's a lot of it's it was a it's a long story to tell and I'm I'm uh <laughs> it's interesting to to pass on to other other stories in the same genre and sort of, they're kind of lodged in my head as being a very similar or even potentially identical length to uh, some of the other books, uh, you know, like in my head along to, you know, uh, I should say prior to getting into this reading stuff, um, uh, reading online, I would probably have said that Percy Jackson and Harry Potter are like about the same length. I probably would have said something along those lines. Uh, of course, there is a lot of uh, additional material in the uh, Percy Jackson universe. Um, there, there's a lot more material there, uh, and it does eventually, uh, I believe, outpace Harry Potter even in terms of word count. Um, but, uh, and then it says, next up after Hunger Games, the Twilight series. I don't even think we had Twilight on the vote. I can't remember. Do we have Twilight on the vote? Um I'm not opposed to reading it, but I'm also not, like, stoked to get into it because there are some things, like, I'm, I'm really anxious, for instance, about, like, trying to get into um, even the Lord of the Rings series because I think there are a lot of, obviously, great, great stuff from Lord of the Rings, but there are also, like, lots of long conversations and, I mean, the whole uh, Tom Bombadil stuff. I am really, I'm, I'm genuinely anxious about whether or not I'm going to be able to like hold on to folks' interest for that at at, at whichever point we start, um, uh, Lord of the Rings. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, everyone who's dealing with seasonal Effective, I hope you, I hope you get your sunlight in, uh, take some vitamin D supplements. That that has done. I I'm not going to claim it's done miracles for me, but it has helped. Uh, and you know, every little, every little bit, every little bit. Helps out. It's important. Every little bit is important. Okay, folks, I think it's time we jumped into our next chapter because well, I well I did say I'm not like behind schedule. I do think uh, I do think we're <laughs> we probably do need to put a little giddy up on it. Chapter ten: I buy some new friends. Of course, this means we need a bit of review. Anyone joining us late, thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, chapter eight: I take the worst bath ever. This is the culmination of of uh, Nico's plan. This is Nico's big plan. Nico's plan is to have Percy um, do this thing that it turns out Luke has already done. And uh, this thing is to go bathe in the River Styx, much like Achilles did before. Um, Percy does so and gets mostly invincibility powers. uh, Right, He can't be harmed and ends up taking out a whole bunch of Hades' army. Um, uh, They can probably be sort of re-raised or something, probably. Uh, But we know that hermes hades doesn't intend to do that um but turns out it works uh there's just one thing percy does need to maintain one sort of weak spot but that weak spot is also the part of him that remains sort of human and mortal the part of him that is sort of keeping him safe from just being totally destroyed by the process of bathing in the river Styx. so we're back there um uh, Percy has managed to escape uh, the the underworld, uh, he is back in New York City because he has summoned all of the campers there, um, he's, he believes truly that the true attack is not going to be with Typhon, you know, crossing the Mississippi, it's not going to be underwater with Poseidon, um, it's going to be something on, some attack on New York City itself, and so they need to defend Olympus. There we go. Um, that is roughly where they're at. So they arrive at Olympus and, uh, they have a quick conversation with Hermes, even though they wanted to talk to Zeus and say, Hey, bring some gods back here. Cause this is where the real attack is going to happen. And Hermes essentially said, look, y'all are on your own. Uh, we have to fight Typhon. This is going to be the, I think I might've said Typhus before, which is also very dangerous, but in a very different way. Um, uh, we, we, the gods are going to fight Typhon out here. Uh, this is the, this is the real attack. This is the big one. This is the, the Titan that almost took us out before. And Percy says, all right, well, time to defend New York. There we go. So everyone, uh, I, uh, hope you have enjoyed this far. I hope you will enjoy this next and final chapter for the evening. Chapter 10, I buy some new friends Yep, I got to get back on my vitamin D as well um, because I had left off of it for a while, um, and then the month of November was largely pretty rough, <laughs> not great for for your boy. Um, it started off fine, and then over the course of the month, yeah, I'm I'm now feeling back out of it, but I'm also like, I I am never one to talk about it much, but yeah, get your vitamin D in. Uh, uh, that's that's huge for most people um that i've I've had a few doctors over the time that i uh spent really focusing on my mental health and the one who really ended up doing wonders for me said basically everyone is vitamin d deficient um so yeah if if uh nothing else get a get a daily multivitamin with some vitamin d in there but for a lot of folks uh, myself included um you really gotta lay into it hard so there you go Yeah, by, uh, November, I think November for a lot of people is, is generally a tough one, but yeah, it was really rough. I'm feeling better this week, fortunately, um, but uh, not not solid, not good, <laughs> not great, not good. Let's do this thing. Chapter 10, I buy some new friends. Mrs. O'Leary was about the only happy one in the sleeping city. We found her pigging out in an overturned hot dog stand while the owner was curled up on the sidewalk, sucking his thumb. Argus was waiting for us with a hundred eyes wide open. He didn't say anything. He never does. I guess that's because he supposedly has an eyeball on his tongue, but his face made it clear he was freaking out. I told him what we'd learned on Olympus, and how the gods would not be riding to the rescue. Argus rolled his eyes in disgust, which looked pretty psychedelic since it made his whole body swirl. "'You better get back to camp,' I told him. "'Got it the best that you can.' He pointed at me and raised his eyebrow quizzically. "'I'm staying.' Argus nodded like this answer satisfied him. He looked at Annabeth and drew a circle in the air with his finger. "'Yes,' Annabeth agreed. "'I think it's time.' "'For what?' I asked. "'Argus rummaged around in the back of his van. "'He brought out a bronze shield and passed it to Annabeth. "'It looked pretty much standard-issue, "'the same kind of round shield we always used in Capture the Flag. "'But when Annabeth set it on the ground, "'the reflection on the polished metal changed from sky and buildings "'to the Statue of Liberty, which wasn't anywhere close to us. "'Whoa,' I said. "'A video shield. "'One of Daedalus's ideas?' annabeth said i had beckendorf make this before he she glanced at selena um anyway the light bends sunlight the shield bends sunlight or moonlight from anywhere in the world to create a reflection you can literally see any target under the sun or moon as long as natural light is touching it look we crowded around as annabeth concentrated the image zoomed and spun at first, so I got motion sickness just watching it. We were in Central Park Zoo, then zooming down East 60th past Bloomingdale's, then turning on 3rd Avenue. Whoa, whoa, Connor Stoll said. Buck up. Zoom in right there. What? Annabeth said nervously. You see invaders? Nope. Right there. Dylan's candy bar. Connor grinned at his brother. Dude, it's open. And everyone's asleep. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Connor? Katie Gardner scolded. She sounded like her mother, Demeter. Is this serious? You're not going to loot a candy store in the middle of a war? Sorry, Connor muttered, but he didn't sound very ashamed. Annabeth passed her hand in front of the shield, and another scene popped up. FDR Drive, looking across the river at Lighthouse Park. this'll let us see what's going on across the city she said thank you Argus hopefully we'll see you back at camp someday Argus grunted he gave me a look that clearly meant good luck you'll need it then climbed back into his van he and the two harpy drivers swerved away weaving around clusters of idle cars that littered the road I whistled for Mrs. O'Leary and she came bounding over hey girl I said You remember Grover? That's the Seder that we met in the park. I hoped that meant sure I do and not do you have more hot dogs. I need you to find him, I said. Make sure that he's awake. We're going to need his help. You got that? Go find Grover. Mrs. O'Leary gave me a sloppy wet kiss, which seemed kind of unnecessary. Then she raced off north. Pollux crouched next to a sleeping policeman. "'I don't get it.' "'Why didn't we fall asleep, too? "'Why just the mortals?' "'This is a huge spell,' Selena Beauregard said. "'The bigger the spell, the easier it is to resist. "'If you want to sleep millions of mortals, uh, "'you'll cast a very thin layer of magic. "'Sleeping demigods is much harder.' "'I stared at her. "'When did you learn so much about magic?' Selena blushed. "'I don't spend all my time in the wardrobe.' Percy, Annabeth called. She was still looking at the shield. You'd better see this. The bronze image showed Long Island, near LaGuardia. The bronze image showed Long Island Sound, near LaGuardia. A fleet of a dozen speedboats raced through the dark water toward Manhattan. Each boat was packed with demigods in full Greek armor. At the back of the lead boat, a purple banner emblazoned with a black scythe flapped in the night wind. I'd never seen that design before, but it wasn't hard to figure out. The battle flag of Kronos. Scan the perimeter of the island, I said. Quick! Annabeth shifted the scene south to the harbor. A Staten Island ferry was plowing through the waves near Alice Island. The deck was crowded with dracanae and a whole pack of hellhounds. Swimming in front of the ship was a pod of marine mammals... At first I thought they were dolphins, then I saw their dog-like faces and the swords strapped to their waists, and I realized they were telekines, sea demons. The scene shifted again. The Jersey Shore, right at the entrance to the Lincoln Tunnel. A hundred assorted monsters were marching past lanes of stopped traffic. Giants with clubs, rogue cyclopes, a fire-spitting dragon just to rub it in, a World War II-era Sherman tank pushing cars out of its way as it rumbled into the tunnel. "'What happened with the mortals outside Manhattan?' I said. "'Is the whole state asleep?' Annabeth frowned. "'I don't think so, but it's strange. As far as I can tell from these pictures, Manhattan is totally asleep. And then there's like a fifty-mile radius around the island where time is running really, really slow. The closer you get to Manhattan, the slower it is.' She showed me another scene. A New Jersey highway. It was Saturday evening, so the traffic wasn't as bad as it might have been on a weekday. The drivers looked awake, but the cars were moving at about one mile per hour. Birds flew overhead in slow motion. Kronos, I said. He's slowing down time. Um... Hey, Kate might be helping, Katie Gardner said. Look at how all the cars are veering away from the Manhattan exits, like they're getting a subconscious message to turn back. I don't know. Annabeth sounded really frustrated. She hated not knowing. But somehow they're surrounding Manhattan in layers of magic. The outside world might not even realize something's wrong. Any mortals coming toward Manhattan will slow down so much, they won't know what's happening. Like flies in amber, Jake Mason murmured. Annabeth nodded. We shouldn't expect any help to come in. I turned to my friends. They looked stunned and scared, and I couldn't blame them. The shield had shown us at least 300 enemies on the way. There were 40 of us, and we were alone. All right, I said. We're going to hold Manhattan. Selena tugged at her armor. Damn pussy, Manhattan is huge. We are going to hold it, I said. We have to. He's right, Annabeth said. The gods of the wind should keep Kronos' forces away from Olympus by air, so he'll try a ground assault. We have to cut across the entrances to the island. We have to cut off the entrances to the island. They have boats, Michael Yu pointed out. An electric tingle went down my back, and suddenly I understood Athena's advice. Remember the river's. I'll take care of the boats, I said. Michael frowned. How? Just leave it to me, I said. We need to guard the bridges and the tunnels. Let's assume that they'll try a midtown or a downtown assault, at least on the first try. That'd be the most direct way to the Empire State Building. Michael, take Apollo's cabin to the Williamsburg Bridge. Katie, Demeter's cabin takes the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Grow thorn bushes and poison ivy in the tunnel. Do whatever you have to do, but keep them out of there. Connor... Take half the Hermes cabin and cover the Manhattan Bridge. Travis, you take the other half and cover the Brooklyn Bridge. Travis, you take the other half and cover the Brooklyn Bridge. And no stopping for looting or pillaging. Oh, the whole Hermes cabin complained. Selena, take the Aphrodite cabin to the Queen's Midtown Tunnel. Oh, my gods, one of her sisters said. Fifth Avenue is so on our way. We could accessorize and monsters like totally hate the smell of Vinci. No delays, I said. Well, the perfume thing, if you think it's going to work. Six Aphrodite girls kissed me on the cheek in excitement. All right, enough. I closed my eyes, trying to think of what I'd forgotten. Uh, the Holland Tunnel? Jake, take the Hephaestus cabin there. Use Greek fire, set traps, whatever you got. He grinned. Gladly. we am going to score to settle. For Beckendorf. The whole cabin roared in approval. The 59th Street Bridge, I said. Clarice? I faltered. Clarice wasn't there. The whole Ares cabin, cursed them, was sitting back at the camp. We'll take that, Annabeth stepped in, saving me from an embarrassed silence. She turned to her siblings. Malcolm, take the Athena cabin, activate Plan 23 along the way, just like I showed you. Hold that position. Uh, Yeah, you got it. I'll go with Percy, she said. And we'll join you, or go wherever we're needed. Somebody from the back of the group said, And no detours, you two. There were some giggles, but I decided to let it pass. All right, I said. Keep in touch with cell phones. We don't have cell phones, Selena protested. I reached down, picked up some snoring lady's blackberry, and tossed it to Selena. You do now. You all know Annabeth's number, right? If you need us, pick up a random cell phone and call us. Use it once, drop it, and borrow another one if you have to. It should make it harder for the monsters to call... Oh, it should make it harder for the monsters to zero in on you. Everyone grinned as though they thought this like... Everyone grinned as though they liked this idea. Travis cleared his throat. Um, if we do find a really nice phone... No, you can't keep it, I said. Oh, man. Hold it, Percy, Jake Mason said. We forgot the Lincoln Tunnel. I bit back a curse. He was right. A Sherman tank and a hundred monsters were marching through that tunnel right now, and I'd positioned our forces everywhere else. Then a girl's voice called from across the street. How about you leave that to us? I had never been happier to hear anyone in my life. A A band of 30 adolescent girls crossed Fifth Avenue. They wore white shirts, silvery camouflage pants, and combat boots. They all had swords at their sides, quivers on their backs, and bows at the ready. A pack of white timber wolves milled around at their feet, and many of the girls had hunting falcons on their arms. The girl in the lead had spiky black hair and black leather jacket. She wore a silver circlet on her head like a princess's tiara, which didn't match her skull earrings or her Death to Barbie t-shirt, showing a little Barbie doll with an arrow through its head. Talia... Annabeth cried. The daughter of Zeus grinned. Hunters of Artemis, reporting for duty. There were hugs and greetings all around. Or at least Talia was friendly. The other hunters didn't like being around campers, especially boys, "'but they didn't shoot any of us, "'which was a pretty warm welcome for them. "'Where have you been for the last year?' "'I asked Talia. "'You've got like twice as many hunters now.' "'She sighed. "'Long, long story. "'I'll bet my adventures were more dangerous than yours, Jackson.' "'Complete lie,' I said. "'We'll see,' she promised. "'After this is over, "'you, Annabeth, me, cheeseburgers and fries "'at the hotel on West 57th.' "'Uh, La Poca Meridian,' I said.' you on. And Talia. Thanks. She shrugged. Those monsters won't know what hit them. Hunters, move out. She slapped her silver bracelet and the shield Aegis spiraled into full form. The golden head of Medusa molded in the center was so horrible, the campers all backed away. The hunters took off down the avenue, followed by their wolves and falcons, and I had a feeling the Lincoln Tunnel would be safe. For now. Thank the gods, Annabeth said. But if we don't blockade the rivers from the boats, guarding the bridges and tunnels will be pointless. Yeah, you're right. I looked at the campers, all of them grim and determined. I tried not to feel like this was the last time I would ever see them all together. You're the greatest heroes of this millennium, I told them. It doesn't matter how many monsters come at you. Fight bravely, and we will win. I raised Riptide and shouted, For Olympus! They shouted in response, and our forty voices echoed off the buildings of Midtown. For a moment, it sounded brave, but it died quickly in the silence of ten million sleeping New Yorkers. Annabeth and I would have had our pick of cars, but they were all wedged in bumper-to-bumper traffic. None of the engines were running, which was weird. It seemed the drivers had had time to turn off the ignition before they got too sleepy. Or maybe Morpheus had the power to put engines to sleep as well? Most of the drivers had apparently tried to pull the curb when they felt themselves passing out, but still the streets were clogged, too clogged to navigate. Finally, we found an unconscious courier leaned against the brick wall, still straddling his red Vespa, we dragged him off the scooter and laid him on the sidewalk. Sorry, dude, I said. With any luck, I'd be able to bring his scooter back. If I didn't, it would hardly matter because the city would be destroyed. I drove with Annabeth behind me. I drove with Annabeth behind me, holding on to my waist. We zigzagged down Broadway with our engine buzzing through the eerie calm. The only sounds were the occasional cell phones ringing. They were calling out to each other, as if New York had turned to a giant electronic aviary. Our progress was weird. Every so often we would come across pedestrians who had fallen asleep right in front of the car. We would just move them to be safe. Once we stopped to extinguish a pretzel vendor's cart that had caught on fire. A few minutes later we had to rescue a baby carriage that was rolling aimlessly down the street. It turned out there was nobody... turned out there was no baby in it. Just somebody's sleeping poodle. Go figure. We parked it safely in a doorway and kept riding. We were passing Madison Square Park when Annabeth said, Pull over. I stopped in the middle of East 23rd. Annabeth jumped off and ran toward the park. By the time I caught up with her, she was staring at a bronze statue and a red marble pedestal. I'd probably passed it a million times but never really looked at it. The dude was sitting with his legs crossed, in a chair. He wore an old-fashioned suit, Abraham Lincoln style, with a bow tie and long coattails and stuff. A bunch of bronze books were piled under his chair. He held a writing quill in one hand and a big metal sheet of parchment in the other. "'And why do we care about—' I squinted at the name on the pedestal. "'William S—' "'William H. Stewart. Seward, Annabeth corrected. He was a New York governor. Minor demigod. Son of Hebe, I think, but that's not important. It's the statue I care about. She climbed onto a park bench and examined the base of the statue. Don't tell me he's an automaton, I said. Annabeth smiled. Turns out most of the statues in the city are automatons. Daedalus planted them here in case he needed an army. To. Attack Olympus, or defend it? Annabeth shrugged. Either one. That was Plan 23. He could activate one statue, and it would start activating all of its brethren all over the city, until there was an army. It's dangerous, though. You know how unpredictable automatons are. Uh Uh-huh, I said. We'd had our share of bad experiences with them. You seriously thinking about activating it? I have Daedalus's notes, she said. I think I can... Um, here we go. She pressed the tip of Seward's boot and the statue stood up. It's quill and paper ready. What's she gonna do? I muttered. Take a memo? Shh, Annabeth said. Hello, William. Uh, Bill, I suggested. Shh. Shut up, Annabeth told me. The statue tilted its head, looking at us with blank metal eyes. Annabeth cleared her throat. Uh, hello, Governor Seward. Command sequence, Daedalus 23. Defend Manhattan. Begin activation. Seward jumped off of his pedestal. He hit the ground so hard his shoes cracked the sidewalk. Then he went clanking off toward the east. He's probably going to wake up Confucius, Annabeth pressed. Oh, Annabeth guessed. What? I said. Another statue. It's on division. The point is they'll keep waking each other up until they're all activated. And then? Hopefully, they'll defend Manhattan. Do they know that we're not the enemy? I think so. That's reassuring. I thought about all the bronze statues in the parks, plazas, and buildings of New York. There had to be hundreds, maybe thousands. Then a ball of green light exploded in the evening sky. Greek fire, somewhere over the East River. We gotta hurry, I said. And we ran for the Vespa. We parked outside Battery Park, at the lower tip of Manhattan, where the Hudson and East Rivers came together and emptied into the bay. Wait here, I told Annabeth. Percy, you shouldn't go alone. Well, unless you can breathe underwater... She sighed you are so annoying sometimes like when i'm right trust me i've got the curse of achilles now i'm invincible and stuff annabeth didn't look convinced just be careful i don't want anything to happen to you i mean because we need you for the battle i grinned be back in a flash i clambered down the shoreline and waded into the water Just for you non-sea god types out there, I don't go swimming in New York Harbor. It might not be as filthy as it was in my mom's day, but the water will still probably make you grow a third eye or have mutant children when you grow up. I dove into the murk and sank to the bottom. I tried to find the spot where the two rivers' currents seemed equal, where they met to form the bay. I figured that was the best place to get their attention. "'Hey!' I shouted in my best underwater voice. The sound echoed in the darkness. I heard you guys are so polluted you're embarrassed to show your faces. Is that true? A cold current rippled through the bay, churning up plumes of garbage and silt. I heard the East River's more toxic, I continued, but the Hudson smells worse. Or is it the other way around? The water shimmered. Something powerful and angry was watching me now. I could sense its presence. Or maybe two presences. I was afraid I'd miscalculated the insults. What if they just blasted me without showing themselves? But these were New York river gods. I figured their first instinct would be to get in my face. Sure enough, two giant forms appeared in front of me. At first, they were just dark brown columns of silt, denser than the water around them. Then they grew legs, arms, and scowling faces. The creature on the left looked disturbingly like a telekin. His face was wolfish. His body was vaguely like a seal's, sleek black with flipper hands and feet. His eyes glowed radiation green. The dude on the right was more humanoid. He was dressed in rags and seaweed with a chainmail coat made of bottle caps and old plastic six-pack containers. His face was blotchy with algae and his beard was overgrown. His deep blue eyes burned with anger. The seal, who had just uh, the seal, who had to be the god of the East River, said You trying to get yourself killed, kid, or you just playing stupid? The bearded spirit of the Hudson scoffed. Yeah, you an excellent you an expert on stupid East. Watch it, Hudson, East growled. Stay on your side of the island and mind your business. Oh, what? You throw another garbage barge at me? They floated toward each other, ready to fight. Hold it, I yelled. We got a bigger problem kid's right east snarled let's both kill him then we'll fight each other It sounds good to me hudson said before i could protest a thousand scraps of garbage surged off the bottom and flew straight toward me from both directions broken glass rocks cans tires i was expecting it though the water in front of me thickened into a shield the debris bounced off harmlessly only one piece got through a big chunk of glass hit my chest and probably should have killed me but it shattered against my skin. The two river gods stared at me. Son push Poseidon? East asked. I nodded. They took a dip in the sticks? Hudson asked. Yep. They both made disgusted sounds. Well, that's perfect, East said. Now how do we kill him? Uh, we could electrocute him, Hudson mused. We could just find some jumper cables. Listen to me, I said. Cronus' army is invading Manhattan. You think we don't know that? East asked. I can feel his boots right now. They're almost across. Yep, Hudson agreed. I got some filthy monsters crossing my waters, too. So stop them, I said. Drown them. Sink the boats. Yeah, why should we? Hudson grumbled. So they invade Olympus. What do we care? Because they can pay you. I took out the sand dollar my father had given me for my birthday. The river god's eyes widened. "It's mine," he said. "Give it here, kid. I promise none of course scum are getting across the East River." "If yeah, we get that," Hudson said, "that sand dollar is mine unless you want to let all those ships across the Hudson." Well, compromise. I broke the sand dollar in half. The ripple of. F- Fresh, clean water spread out from the break, as if all the pollution in the Bay Area were being dissolved. You each get half. In exchange, you keep all of Cornish's forces away from Manhattan. Oh, man, Hudson whimpered, reaching out for the sand dollar. It's been so long since I was clean. The power of Poseidon, East River murmured, He's a jerk, but he sure knows how to sweep pollution away. They looked at each other, then spoke as one. there's a deal? I gave them a half-sand dollar each, which they held reverently. Uh, the invaders, I prompted. East River flicked his hand. They just got sunk. Hudson snapped his fingers. A bunch of hellhounds just took a dive thank you i said stay clean as i rose toward the surface east called out hey kid anytime you got a sand dollar to spend come on back assuming that you live <laughs> curse of achilles hudson snorted why do they always think that's gonna save him yeah, if only he knew east agreed they both laughed dissolving into the water Back on the shore, Annabeth was talking into her cell phone, but she hung up as soon as she saw me. She looked pretty shaken. It worked, I told her. The rivers are safe. Good. Because we've got other problems. Michael, you just called. Another army is marching over the Williamsburg Bridge. The Apollo cabin needs help. And Percy? The monster leading the enemy? It's the Minotaur. walk in here indeed dahlia thank you very much hey folks i hope you enjoyed that chapter uh that is our last chapter of the evening so thank you all very much for joining me um and uh yeah i think <laughs> roll it says whoa this is crazy says Rollit. uh sam i'm glad you enjoyed yeah folks i'm i'm uh, i'm hoping that you're you're liking this um let me see. Let me, I, I want to do a quick check here. That was chapter 10, which means we've got one, two, three, four more streams of this book. <laughs> Roll it says this battle is going to go for the rest of the book. I'm going to go nuts whenever we stop. This is, yeah, I, I do think like we're essentially every single stream is going to end on some sort of big cliffhanger, right? It's I'm I am very confident. So, uh, yeah, everybody, I hope you're enjoying it quite a bit. Big Mama says, "Great read." Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, Sam. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I think we're we're in for a lot of cliffhangers here coming up. Um, I think it's probably going to make up lots of the rest of this book. Is cliffhangers where we jump back in and uh, suddenly find that uh, okay, this this problem's taken care of. There's a new one popping up over here. Um, I think we're probably going to spend a lot of time moving around different parts of Manhattan and the city of New York. Um, I don't know if we're going to get into other boroughs, but certainly Manhattan's going to feature heavily. Um, uh, then again, my my New York geography is not uh, polished. Uh, so it's possible I've got you know things confused. I don't know where like I don't know where Broadway is in relation to like Central Park in relation to uh, uh, the uh, Williamsburg bridge, etc. so uh, it'll be interesting. we're gonna find out. Um, <laughs> everybody we've got four streams of this left. Uh, next week we're gonna hit eleven through thirteen um after that 14 and 15 after that 16 17 18 and then once more we're gonna hit the last uh oh no we're gonna we're gonna hit five chapters for the final stream of this thing uh there was like there were some okay ways to do it that would have been sort of like uh, uh i mean it, w- it would have meant that the, the final stream wouldn't have been so long i try to keep it about twelve thousand words as a matter of fact today was uh 12.7 Twelve thousand seven hundred ninety-one words, uh, so almost twelve point eight. But uh, the final stream is going to be almost fourteen thousand words, so an extra two thousand. So, uh, yeah, we're going to make. I'll have to make sure to take some uh, take some good time for that one. Y'all, buckle up. Uh, there was just no better way to do it, and I don't think this is a bad way to do it. At the end of the day, it's fine. Uh, so 14,000 words, chapters 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23 to finish this one off. That's going to be our final stream of this one. And then, as I mentioned, if anyone's joining us totally late, we're going to move on to Hunger Games. That one's going to be a lot of fun. That was going to be a lot of fun. Lots of great opportunities for, for really different voices in that one. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and the big thing for me on the vocal end, sort of performance end, uh, when I'm doing so many voices, it's really hard to catalog them unless they are really specifically um, sort of uh, um, characterized and then repeated. We get lots of, you know, pr- decently characterized people in this series, but a lot of them, like, we hear them speak three times in the entire series. Um, you know, we don't have conversations with Michael Yu. You know, we we, we would love to, like uh spend some more time with some of these folks i certainly would um but yeah on the performance end it, it can be tough to revisit these voices when it's like oh man last time i did the i did this voice was two books ago um there's a little bit of that in in harry potter as well but for the most part it keeps most of those characters pretty well alive um uh, you know the patil siblings like yeah they're not huge characters but we speak to them regularly um, we interact with them frequently. So yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different. I'm, I'm trying to keep track of all the voices that I've got together here, but I think uh, I think all of the repeated characters, or I should say all of the f- frequent characters, lots, lots of these supporting characters come up frequently um, in Hunger Games. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to Haymitch. I think Haymitch, frankly, would be a lot of fun um, if, if there was a role that I wanted in uh, Harry Potter. Of course, I've talked about I would how much I would love to play Lupin. Absolutely. Um, But if I were to play any character in Hunger Games, I would probably want to play Hey Mitch. I think that one would be the most fun character. Uh, Just, I I don't know. I would enjoy that one quite a bit. Uh, So, everybody. uh, Memnite, thank you so much for the gift subs. I appreciate you. Um, We got to talk about beans, don't we? So let me pop over to the screen here. And, uh... Let's do it. Uh, For anyone who does not know, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. Of course, Uh, on Tuesdays, we read classic lit. Wednesdays, we do tabletop RPGs. And Thursdays, come back right here for this uh, on Thursdays. And uh, yeah, we are running through on Tuesdays. We have just read our first stream of Alice in Wonderland. That's not going to be a terribly long one. So we're going to probably be uh, booting up a new book shortly. Uh, on Wednesdays, we are doing our world building. You can check out the Recedus command if you want to check out the wiki for the Realm of Resetis. Um We've been working on sort of making that more friendly to like people coming in. Like, okay, what is this all about? What's the deal here? Um, and then, uh, of course, on Thursdays, yes, I am very much looking forward to the Hunger Games. Uh, let me go fetch the Bean Queen. Actually, you know what? Before I do that, uh, well, let me say this first. Everyone, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.